Oh my god, I didn't see. <laughs> I did the same thing he did. I didn't even notice it. Oh, nope, you're out. Hey, what's up, Brandon? Welcome back. Oh, you're still muted. Brandon, nope. you're muted. You're still muted. Still muted. Hey, guys, this is the Fake Nerd Podcast. It is episode 334. Brandon is no longer muted, so he can talk. Look at that. Off to a great start. Episode 334, guys. Hell yeah. Te- technical difficulties. Love it. I love technical difficulties. Hey, the first ever podcast I listened to was a podcast called Tech Diff, and that threw me onto my podcast journey. There you go. If you remember um, Sparks Blast from the past. No, I remember. Um, Our original show, Recordings of Endless Jackass, was based off that show quite heavily. That's true. Um, All right. Actually, I've done nothing original in my whole life because this show is based on Weekly Planet. Look at that. All right, guys. Uh, Welcome back to the Fickner Podcast. I'm Brandon C. McClure. With me, as always, is Ben Magnet. That's me. I just woke up. Sparks Witty. Weekly Planet did invent nerd discussion podcasting. No, like the structure of the original show was very. No, I get you. I get you. Um, And Ryan Eliopoulos. Hello. I'm here. All right. Um, Are you queer? Do I need to get used to it? Sure. All right. Are you queer? I think I don't. I don't really care. I don't really talk about it because it's not a. I just like people. I don't know why I decided to like out you this episode. I'm. I don't consider it. Yeah. Hey guys, don't force anyone to out themselves. It's not cool. I think we actually loosely talked around this idea when we did the genderqueer comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm just not, I just don't like, I don't care about labels. People are people. <laughs> yeah, people are people. People are people. Um, all right, guys. Uh, yeah, we are We are back. This is, uh, we're, you know, it's been two weeks since the last time you saw us, so we got quite a few links in the description. Um, guys, the strikes are still going on, so of course, not talking about struck content, but there is um, uh, some links in the description that you guys can check out. Look, it's the same links. Because the AMPTP is a greedy fuck, uh, or greedy fucks. Um, it's the same links. It's the it's the SAG after proposals. It's the uh, the VFX union. Um, what are they called? The petitions. Um, I also just woke up. Um, it's the uh, anime uh, Warner Brothers. I think it's Warner Brothers animation petition. It's Warner Brother. Uh, it's like all of Warner animation. Uh, you got the Disney film animation. Yes. Uh, yeah, they're all there. So, there are others. Cool there are others that are happening that petitions have not been made yet because there's like a, a window that you have to allow for them to recognize before you start petitioning to the public. Um, so expect more petitions in the future. Um, yeah, we, uh, uh, there's, you know, there's quite a few, um, uh, there's quite a few things happening in the VFX space. that's quite interesting that we're not necessarily going to talk about today. Um, like they went to Congress and talked about like the importance of VFX unionization, which is very cool. Um, yeah. So please uh, support that. That's a that's a that's going to be a big one um, if we can get that sorted. Um, once yeah. once the, the the SAG strike is over, um, we're going to see a real like reckoning in in conversation about a lot of these animation and visual effects people are going to be like, we support you. Where are you for us? If they don't show yeah. up when they need them next year, sure, so it's sure. going to be really interesting. Uh, ta- they're always talking about tag uh, going on strike next year, so that'd be really cool. Tag the Animation Guild for those of you who don't maybe remember. Um, all right, so uh, outside of that, there's also plenty of other links that we that we did. Uh, I'll start with the only personal link in the description, which has been. Let's give a round of applause for the for the for the for the uh, comeback of the end dark. Blah. Yeah. Uh, episode forty one has aired. Ben, why don't you give a talk about that? What the link in the description is not the episode. It is in fact the website I mentioned before that I'm not going to link the individual episodes anymore because honestly, if you're not listening at this point, 
what the hell? Uh, you you're not going to start in episode 41. Yeah. 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 You're not jumping in episode 41. So go to the website. If you're not already subscribed, go check it out. If you are already subscribed, please check out episode 41. But Ben, why don't you give a talk about it? Yeah. Uh, you should totally subscribe. You should also subscribe to the Patreon because, guys, not only did uh, Dean Dark come up, it, we came back after a pretty lengthy hiatus. But our first episode of our little, a little like Halloween, uh, fun side, uh, side recording that we did, also released only on our Patreon. So if you're subscribed to the Patreon, to the Dean Dark Patreon, you also have access to this show, and it is Call of Cthulhu, where oh, I play man. none other than Shaggy. Yes, I haven't listened to it yet, but expect me next time that we are all gathered together to uh, let you know what I think of Ben's interpretation of Shaggy being a person who refuses to watch Scooby-Doo despite owning all of it. Of it. <laughs> See, it's like you haven't, it's not, it's not even that you like haven't seen Scooby-Doo. It is literally, as Spark said, you have refused to watch it yeah. because not like you don't have access. I have not straight up refused to watch Scooby. Ben, I've been to your house. You've looked at the pile and you're like, I will never watch these. <laughs> I will say that is slander, good sir. I, it's not like I look at the pile. It's just that <laughs> I have other stuff going on. Anyway, but anyways, it, back he to puts it behind. He puts it behind the nun and Annabelle little yeah. figures that we've given him. And he's like, this is the place I don't go. <laughs> my bad place. <laughs> uh, no, they are downstairs with my other DVDs. It's just that they're in a different spot from my other DVDs. But I do know where they are. Anyways, going back to D and Dark. We, yeah. yeah, the um, the mid-season premiere came back where with Dracula just being Dracula. And things aren't looking good for our group. I mean, no, I a lot. Of, no, they're not. <laughs> no, no. A lot of things, a lot of bad things have been happening to our poor group. So it's just like, yeah. If you want to go back to chaos, please, by all means, that that's all I'm gonna say. Because uh, we're on a bi-weekly schedule now, so we're gonna be releasing episodes bi-weekly. But yeah, definitely check it out. It's things. Phantom is up to his usual antics, and that's all I'm gonna say about that. Love yeah, uh, very good episode. Uh, glad to see it return. I was actually eagerly awaiting it. I'm glad it didn't disappoint. Um, all right. So also in the description below, uh, by the way, for the live show, for the live show, none of this is in the description. It's all on the rewind and the and the audio. I'm sorry, live guy. People who are watching the live show, the three of you live guy. do. Sorry, live guy. <laughs> sorry, the live guy. Um, I just didn't have time to build the description yet, so it'll, it'll be up on the rewind. Um, but but there are but there will be and are things that you guys can check out, um, such as uh, Dead Space episodes six through nine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Spooktober is in full effect with Dead Space. What uh, you guys want to talk about that a little bit? Um, still playing through it, man. Oh my gosh, what a what a run! Six through nine, those are some great episodes. I'm not even I'm not being facetious. That's legitimately like you got you got two battles with the Leviathan in there. And you gotta check it out. It's real good shit. He's a big boy. He's a big boy. He, he big is a big boy. That was uh ugh. the other. Um, what's that mean? What is that? Oh, archive. Um, Super Dark Deception was the other Spooktober episode that dropped this uh, in the past two weeks. Uh, that's the uh, it's the top down eight bit version of Dark Deception, which already had already come out. Correct. Um, old school. Uh, I'm I'm a part of that one. That was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Um. And Alan Wake recently came out. Uh, yes. Ben played through uh, one of one of Ryan's favorite games, Alan Wake. I love it. 
uh, uh, you can also, Ben, do me a favor, since you're not going to ever play Alan Wake, play the Fortnite Alan Wake flashback. It's the entire game in 10 minutes. Oh my really? God. Really? And, and it's, it's, the, it's all of the actual assets from the game. So it's the same models from 2010. It's the same house. You're, you're in first person flashlight mode. Uh, it's incredible. It's really weird. And it's really cool. I was Black Suit Spider-Man helping Alan Wake. It was really silly. <laughs> it's good shit. But oh, Alan awesome. Wake, the game, is also incredible. Check out Ben playing the first hour. It's based off Stephen King, his favorite writer. His, his best friend. His best friend. That's sorry. Mm. Okay, sorry. Um, ben, like, mm, mm. <laughs> it got more grumpy as that joke went ben, on. It's funny because literally the first line of Alan Wake is, Stephen King once said. And I'm yeah. like, I just, I like yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I missed it. I, I mm-hmm. miss hearing that bit, and then both Ryan was like, "Did you not hear that?" I was like, "You were talking, I couldn't hear it." Let's do it. Let's keep it in the video games uh, space because uh, at the time of this recording, uh, the first hour of Spider-Man Two is uploading. Yeah, about seven minutes from this exact moment, uh, there will be the first hour of Spider-Man Two. I wanted to hop on that because that's a big, the, one of the hottest games of the year. Got to play it with my Spider Bro right here. Uh, very explosive opening. Yeah, worth worth checking out uh, if you can get that game. It's it's a uh, it's gonna be a barn burner. Yeah, we had some cool. So I'm, I'm excited about. I'm excited about all of it. I'm looking forward to eventually playing that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's uh, once again, video games. Bapum, a new episode of Basement Arcade Pause Menu uh, with the editor or creator of Old School Gamer Magazine, Ben. The um, publisher and and creator of Old School Gamer Magazine. Yeah, right. Oh. Uh, that's that's uh, that's up now as well. Yeah, that is. Um, he so essentially, this guy is the first guy who gave me my shot at writing in video game magazines and publications. Um, because years ago, you know, I met him at a convention, and I he gave me a free copy, of, like a convention copy of OSG. I read through it, I liked it, and then I saw like a little blurb in the front saying, "Hey, if you want to write for us, send us an email." So I did, and that's how I started writing for the website. And then, as you guys know, I started getting published. So. Yeah, that was it. And I can't believe it took me this long for me to actually get him on the show and talk to him. So what's his name? Ryan Berger. Thank you. I like that name. Um, yeah, very good episode, Ben. Um, uh, let's keep let's go. Let's move to uh, from video games to comic books, because a uh, lot of the archive has come up. A um, lot of uh, spooky archives, because, you know, it's October time. We, we oftentimes during our Octobers. Um, spend our October book club doing a, a horror comics. And uh, so a lot of those have been uploaded as well as our Dawn of X and House of X, Powers of X discussions. Uh, those are up there as well. Yep. Uh, I'm not really going to talk about my week. So I'm going to just talk to you guys about the archives for a moment. Um, in our this last batch, we had Freddy versus Jason versus Ash, which I only bring up because of the one that Brand's going to bring up as our main uh, book club that came out this week. So that ties in. And then in the next batch coming out this next week, you're going to get our reading of the original Marvel Zombies as well. So all of that is going up in the archives, uh, which is very topical to our recent comic book reading that Brand's about to bring up in a second. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, also, I wanted to let you know that, uh, point out, yes, we've got the Hawks, Pox, and the Dawn of Swords build up. Uh, sorry, Dawn of X, uh, X of Swords build-up stuff is all up there, which is big, big conversations if you want to mm-hmm. go back. Oh, I miss doing those. Um, mm. And then uh, two in particular that I wanted to highlight for fun, Batman the Long Halloween and Death Vigil. Um, if you go to those episodes, what you'll see is that you've got our discussions from when we read it, the, like the the time that we all got together and read it. However, at the uh, midpoint of the episode-ish, 
uh, you'll see that there's also more time, which is the original time it was brought up uh, when we weren't all reading together. Um, oh. So that's tacked in from an older episode mm. also. So Double those, dipped. So those have both conversations in there. Okay, uh, cool. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's uh, 2019 through 2022 coming up this next week uh, in the archives. Lots of spooky titles there. So Love it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, but that sparks a little to the main uh, rotation book club is uh, Mar Marvel Zombies versus Army of Darkness, which was my pick. And um, yeah, it was certainly check out the review <laughs> to see what we thought we thought about it. No yeah. spoilers. Um, but that was a uh, quite quite interesting because we did do um, uh, Ash versus uh, Ash versus Army Ash versus Freddy versus Jason. There it is. I got it. Um, but yeah, so that was fun. Um, and then lastly, I'll bring up um, Ben. Yeah. Question for you, sir. Don't you love it when you watch seven movies in a franchise and when you get to the last one, they're like, hey, those last six, uh, don't worry about them. Don't you love that? Yeah, I saw Red Skywalker. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, um, um, Ben, what I'm talking about is Digimon Adventure Last Evolution Kazuna. Oh, right, 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 right. I, I was very confused about that. I was like, what the heck is going on? Before we talk about that, uh, just morning, Mint. How are you today? She's in the, acknowledging the chat. Yeah, Mint is in the chat. And she also even said, I was like, huh, Ben, is, I was about half an hour ago. <laughs> ben uh, is always asleep. His natural state is sleeping. Um, uh, it, it does feel like, but yeah, uh, uh, Digimon Adventure Last of uh, Digimon Last Evolution Kazuna. Um, no, no, you had it right the first time. It was Digimon Adventure Last Evolution Kazuna. Yeah, that one. Uh, yeah, I do love it when a um, movie essentially just says, "Yeah, the ones we did before, don't worry about them." Well, so what's interesting about that one is I'm not going to go into spoils. We do we do talk about we do talk about in depth. This is the final Digimon Adventure movie. Um, this is the one that they're like, hey, this is this is it. This is the end of Ty and Matt's story. Um, Digimon Adventure Try was really fun to go through. There's a lot of really interesting stuff. It's got a lot of big ideas. It's really trying. It's really trying something, but never succeeding. Quite frankly, um, um, and but like I always I always appreciate the, the try. There's two movies. Uh, yeah, the try. Um, there's two movies that I that I quite that I quite like in those, but Last Evolution Kazuna is really interesting in the sense that it was just it it covers the same ground as Digimon Adventure Try, but in a much better and much tighter way. Um, it's very it, it 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 is it is the Digimon what Digimon Adventure Try wants to be in in many ways. I really love it. I thought it was excellent. I had a great time revisiting that movie. Try was kind of a mixed bag, but we really ended it strong with Last Evolution Kazuna. Highly recommend you guys checking out not only our discussion, but that movie if you haven't. that um, You don't need to watch Try, as we've already covered, um, to just watch that one. It's very, it's very good. I really liked uh, doing that one, uh, discussing it with you, Ben, and also watching it. Same here. It was... I don't know if I would, because I have all the films, and then when I got Last Evolution Kazuna, I was really excited to watch it. And I don't think I probably would have watched them had we not done the Fake Nerds Watch, because I remember watching them as they were coming out, but then I don't know if I was in the middle of a move when I got the last few films, and it, they were just put away with some other films. It's like, I just never found the time to, to sit back and watch them. So it was... It really was great to watch those with you finally, Brandon. And uh, yeah, I'm glad I did it. 
Hey man, next month, Digimon Adventure Zero Two: The Beginning. I already got my tickets. I'm excited. All right, um, that's all the description links that you guys can check out. Please do. We work really hard on these things, and we really love them. Um, who wants to go first of the week? I will. I will. Go I got it. Jack. Oh, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> all right, Ben. That was that was quick. Uh, two things I I want to talk about. Um, both of which happened yesterday, actually. So the first big thing I want to talk about is that I finally started Miles Morales, Spider-Man Miles Morales. I did the first major, like, you know, the first mission, the, the tutorial air quotes. And I got the, that, that game was like, what, X amount of years, like five plus years old right now. So I got like, no, the, first man, it's like the game's like less than three years old. Oh, never mind then. Oh, well. they put out three Spider-Man games in five years. They're, they're, well, yeah, they're, they're, they're a... crazy people. It was. It wasn't a PlayStation Five exclusive, but it did launch the PS Five, right? It was. Yeah, yeah it was PS Four, PS Five uh, uh, at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, I played the first, uh, the first like tutorial of that got the first Spider Suit, and then I was like, cool. Oh, yeah. When I was playing, it was like, yeah, I love Spider Man. I should have played this a long time ago. It's true. And the other thing I want to talk about is, since it's not Struck Contact, at least as, um, as far as I know, is I finished the latest season of Demon Slayer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Demon that's why Slayer. you sent me that. That's why you sent me that Instagram thing because you were watching Demon Slayer. So, oh no, that was Grayson. Grayson sent me something Demon Slayer. Like, how do you know I watch Demon Slayer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't send you anything Demon no, Slayer. No, yeah, as far, yeah. As far as I know, but yeah, I I finished the latest uh, arc of Demon Slayer. I'm not going to spoil it for those of you, for people who haven't seen it. I just want to say Demon Slayer is great. Don't sleep on it. It it really is a good anime, and the ending just got me wanting more. Um, it was, it, you know, because whenever Tanjiro and the rest of the Demon Slayer core, they're fighting a demon, and it's like, you know, the battle's going against them, and you really just, like, get hyped when they push through and kick ass and take names. It's like, yeah, go, go, go. But yeah, Demon Slayer, sword, uh, Swordsmith Village, really good arc. Really enjoyed it. Had a blast. Hell yeah. Now I'm just waiting patiently for the newest season, which is not going to come anytime soon. Love it. Uh, Ryan? Um, the only thing I really did was play Gotham Knights. I beat that game. Um, I'm much hotter on it than I was before, but it's still riddled with problems that I really, that just bog it down to be just a good game. It is, uh, you can play two player. And they really want you to play two player because a lot of the abilities are like, hey, give your give your your ally 50% extra defense or whatever. I'm like, this is a single player game to me. I'm never picking those stats. Um, really, really excellent. I would say even better than some of the Arkham games set set uh, pieces. Uh, like uh, like what you do in Spider-Man, you know, like the Rhino fight, like those kind of set pieces, like a big environmental, you're traveling through the city with enemies. Uh, Clayface is really great. Um, I really love this interpretation of Harley Quinn. Um who else do I fight? Oh, Mr. Freeze sucks. Um, his design's cool. He's like a giant like robot spider mech, but his design is I want it, or his his pathos is like, I want everyone to be as cold as I am. And I'm like, wow, that's real boring. Uh, where's your humanity? There's no mention of Nora or anything. It's very much these are all villains with no no humanity. And that's kind of shitty for all of them. Um, but besides that, like I had a really good time. Again, I didn't if I would have bought it for 70 bucks, I would not feel this way. But um the most interesting thing that I really like about it is that it ends up being a battle between the League of Assassins and the Court of Owls over uh, over Lazarus Pits. And that's really cool. And it's like having a war in Gotham where Gotham is just like, we don't even give a shit about Gotham. It's what's underneath that we're really that we're really about. Um, it's really cool. So like all that stuff's really cool. You know, I'm a huge, I, I got Court of Owls tattoo. Uh, I could use way more. They come in really late into the game in my opinion. But like that final couple hours, 
when the entire map is revealed and all the it takes a long time to get a bunch of different enemy variety once you get all the talents and the talents are really scary once you get you guys aren't going to play this game in MC, once man bats are all over the city uh you know mr freeze freezing men uh there's it's really like it's more like supernatural and really weird uh uh which i really appreciate so like there's stuff i really like about the game but it's just it is bogged down by like live service stuff and it's not even a live service game um it's just got really shitty gear like oh i got a new i got new a new chest plate that gives me plus three extra armor but like it's not even fun in like the god of war way where it looks really cool it's just like looks kind of different so i kind of just wish it was an arkham game where it's not an rpg and you just get to play the game and just get new stuff so uh highly recommend it if you don't have to buy it I have a question about that because you tweeted about um, what's it called? Uh, um, you were in the 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 labyrinth, the Court of Owls labyrinth, and there yeah, was, they, that was were, awesome. they were doing like some trippy stuff, like they do in the comic. Yeah, that's that's honestly probably one of my favorite sections. Yeah, um, like you get you get like uh, you get poisoned and you wake up in a lab, and it's like it's a thing where like you get towards a hallway and the hallway will push backwards, or you turn mm-hmm. around and the hallway is gone. And there's a lot of uh, like uh i was playing as dick grayson you can play as any of the four of the bat family and it will change what you see in the labyrinth but like i was seeing um the flying graysons fall to their death right in front of me and i was saying yeah it's crazy and then you see like bruce wayne who's dead you know spoiler that's the whole point of this game is dead um he's walking around the labyrinth saying bruce like dick you suck you're a terrible robin and and, and it's that's that's really cool um uh so that is a in a very enjoyable section it doesn't last as long as i wish it always like like 10 minutes um but yeah that is that was a a highlight uh and the end reveal um where where like it's not actually magic it is a series of um sets like it's like a giant giant moving set so every time a hallway moved it was just a hallway moving like technically and not actually Mm -hmm. magically and you see it at the end and it's just a giant set with hundreds of things and i'm like that's really cool some of the some of the stuff is so cool but it's just it just bogged down by like a bunch of other shit that definitely was not the developer's intent. It was like the people upstairs saying, you need to make a game like this. You need to make it like yeah. these other games. Uh, it's like a worse version of the Avengers in that way and like the live service aspect. But luckily, it's a better single player game, I think. Um, yeah, uh, I'm I'm glad to have played it. I don't like, uh, I'm a completionist in that way. Like I like playing all the superhero games, like even if they're good or bad. So like, I'm glad to report that this isn't as bad as everyone was saying, but it's definitely still the worst of the four Batman games that we've gotten, which you right. know, is what it is um all right well i guess i'll go next um i finished the first season of dimension 20 uh this is on dropout tv brandon lee mulligan uh this was called fantasy high um and it's incredible it's incredible like i really liked it um i'm pretty much like a baby in my DD journey um i'm just i'm just getting into it as like uh, something that i watch and i i do want to play it and i'm just kind of biding my time and learning and whatever but i really enjoyed watching this story unfold i really liked the cast um ali beardsley um lou i forgot his last name um but zakoyama and uh all, all of them all great um javon thompson javon thompson i think so yeah. um really fun cast they really like each other they really like play off each other really well the the production design of the first season really is really fun uh because they play some really interesting music that i really like there's some really incredible roles that they do that just brennan is just kind of like i guess i now have to narrate the coolest shit imaginable um and then there's also like zach gets like horrible um um insight roles 
constantly. And so like there's a, becomes a running gag uh, that's just every single time just so funny um, that I won't spoil for anyone who wants to watch it. Dimension um, 20 is excellent. Um, and, and, and Critical Role is also excellent. But like the difference is like uh, uh, Dimension 20, they're all comedians. Yeah. So like they like they're like not that again not the critical is not funny but like they're able to do the drama and the comedy so well and so in sync where like one yeah. minute it'll be really funny and then something really dramatic happens and like it feels like so, like supernatural. Um, yeah, yeah, there's 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 times where there's like they start they start crying at the things yeah. that are being narrated to them. I'm like, oh shit, this is. Rough. And Dimension Twenty is is really excellent. It's it's a really good gateway because. Uh, one of the things about Critical Role is like every episode is three to five hours, and that's hard for people to get into. And I get that. Like the quality is 100% there, but like you have to commit. Dimension 20, they're like an hour, and they do get longer the more seasons that they go on, but generally they're about an hour for each episode. And that's digestible, that's easy to do. Um, so, like, yeah, Dimension 20, I'm glad you got on board, man, because like you just started. I know you see the, the 12 other shows you're going to watch soon. I'm like, oh, and yeah, I dude. can't wait. I'm going to watch yeah. them all. I love yeah, it. They're, yeah. They're, Brandon Lee Mulligan is like, we watch his his comedy stuff on Dropout, and yeah. so like, but like he's also just like an incredible entertainer and storyteller. And I'm like, man, what a cool guy. Yeah, there's um there there there's some really some really cool stuff that I I don't want to spoil for anyone who's gonna watch the who's gonna watch it because there there there's just some really interesting storytelling choices. And again, like one of the things that really intrigued me about the D and D as like a storytelling device, not necessarily a game, is how is the storytelling being dictated by the roll of a die. And so mm -hmm. like, you know things go a certain way because you roll a certain way is so fascinating to me just watching how everything unfolds and the improbability that you need to have to kind of keep going with it and finding these changes and like there's times you're just like hey can you give me an insight roll oh i rolled in that one well you don't see anything and that's just a plot thread that will never come up again yeah. um because that's ultimate, just the way it goes it's the ultimate improv game um and the more you you are willing to give yourself to it the more fun you will have yeah um and i i, I like this so much that i decided to just go right ahead and start fantasy high C, uh sophomore year which is um i think five campaigns down but i really wanted to just like see these characters again and go back into this um and uh, so far don't disappoint it's great it's great um, love it hell yeah can't wait to watch more. uh critical role um just recently did a mortal Kombat uh one shot yeah. Uh, where it's just all it's a bunch of them just like fighting each other and it's incredibly fun that's also like a long one but like since we just did mortal Kombat and you guys know those characters it's that one's incredibly and they use a different they don't use D, &D they use something else i forget what it's called but like it's specifically made for fighting people and it's awesome it is really fun so like if you have the time i i definitely recommend that one i do want to check that out i want to go back into critical role some more um i just had i just something about dimension 20 that's just really like locked me in and critical role just hasn't locked me in yet i do like again it. like you can watch an entire season in like two critical role episodes so like it's just yeah. easier to get a whole thing with it too like you really gotta set the time aside for critical role yeah um but outside of that i watched and listened to a lot of doctor who so i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of go through some of the stuff that i listened which was i finished the last two episodes of the eric roberts master uh box set um which were a lot of fun uh eric eric roberts is a really fun master he's very he's he very like kind of like really like i don't want to say deliciously evil uh because that's what i said the last time I, I i i talked about it um but he really like revels in being this evil version of the master um what was really interesting is that it introduces to me a character that apparently was a big finnish creation called um vienna who is a um assassin with a heart of gold 
so she won't kill bad she won't kill good people she'll only kill bad people so she's been she's been told to go kill the master um and she's played by an actress named chase meridian and it's really and she's american chase meridian. From, that's a batman she's, character <laughs> she's from deep space nine hmm She's an actress on Deep Space Nine. And I was listening to this voice. I'm like, oh, God, this girl sounds so damn familiar. And then I looked her up. And I was like, there it is. She's, uh, I think she plays Leela from uh, Deep Space Nine. Recently reappeared in Lower Decks. Um, but yeah, really cool. Really liked that character. Really liked um, the twists and the kind of the turns and uh, listening to this version of the Master. The Master has such an interesting story between big finish and and the and the show for me right now because i'm so curious of like use because there's like the there's the first there's the first master that we see who's not the first master then there's the decayed master the decayed master is the 13th master but that master has two bodies afterwards because he started possessing people uh and that's where the eric roberts master comes up somehow eric roberts dies although we thought he died in the movie so now we know he didn't and there's another master that shows up called the Reborn Master, which is not the Derek Jacobi master that we meet in the show. He is the one that the Time Lords, he is the, he is the second body. So it makes John Sim the third body. Wild. Interesting stuff. I really like this kind of deep dive into Doctor Who that I've been doing just constantly on like the TARDIS Wikipedia, just kind of going through all this shit, learning, oh, I can listen to this audio adventure. Oh, I can listen to the, I can go watch back and watch this movie. Oh, this is so interesting. Um, been a lot of fun to do. Um, but then I, I listened to Shada. So Shada is uh, written by Douglas Adams, uh, the creator of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, this was a fourth Doctor adventure that never got to be finished um the only surviving footage of it i believe is uh in is an insert shot in the five doctors special that came out for the 20th anniversary um is how they got rid of tom baker for that episode so this episode was never finished it was never completed it was and there's been attempts over the years to find ways to complete it find ways to do it because this being a douglas adams this is like when neil gaiman wrote a doctor who episode for Stephen Moffat, right? This was like a big deal. This was like a major science fiction author writing a Doctor Who episode. Never happened before. And he, and so instead of, so they couldn't get Tom Baker. It's a Tom Baker episode. They couldn't get Tom Baker to come back for Big Finish. So they brought in Paul McGann, who's the eighth Doctor. Ultimately, Shot is a really good episode. It's still, it's it, they don't change it at all. Uh, for the audio adventure. It holds up really well. It's very interesting. It's very compelling. But if you're listening to the Eighth Doctor, it's really out of character for the Eighth Doctor. Because he's acting like the Fourth Doctor. Um, And they don't change the dialogue to kind of be the Eighth Doctor. Nor should they. It's a very funny episode. It's meant to be funny. But it's really strange that they were like, well, let's just throw the Eighth Doctor in and nobody will notice. Hmm. Um, Still... Very fun, very funny. Really like it. Honestly, recommend it for everyone. Like, if you're just if you just like Doctor Who, it's one of the best. It's it's still one of the best episodes of Doctor Who audio or otherwise. Shada, check it out. Shada. And then I decided to watch to listen to the other 50th anniversary special, which is called Light at the End. This was um, this was a crossover between one through eight. So you know. Uh, I told you about the Destiny of the Doctor kind of audiobooks that they did. This was like a big like event episode where the Cade Master has found a way to destroy the Doctor's entire timeline. 
And so it's a team up between the Living Doctors, which is four, five, six, seven, eight. Um, and we finally hear the first recasted versions of one, two, and three. Um, and they kind of play around that they're not really big parts of the roles. They don't want to spend too much time on the dead doctors, so they aren't really part of the story too much. Um, but that one's really fun because strangely, because the eighth doctor and the fourth doctor have a really interesting team up. That's why I paired it with Shada. Um they they're really fun together they're a lot of fun together i really like the two of them together so much that i kept going back like did they team up again i want to hear more about them teaming up this is so fun uh and they didn't which is unfortunate um tom baker is really difficult to get for a uh, big finish because because uh, of his age he's mm-hmm. his age is like really bad right now his age his, his body is just like not great right now yeah um so that was really uh and that was that was that was really good that was just really solid six doctors uh seventh doctor fifth doctor um all of them are in top form um they bring back one of my favorite eighth doctor companion which is charlie um it's great so much fun so so great to hear her again i always say c like it like i'm i'm visualizing these episodes guys visualizing them um really good um honestly i liked it better than destiny the doctor even though it's just the first eight they just do some really fun stuff with doctor who that just you didn't get you don't really often get in the show it's just really cool the last thing i'll talk about and i'm going to try and make this as quick as i can is that i watched i finished capaldi capaldi is done he's gone he's in the he's a memory in the wind for me um and i i really uh he's one of my favorite doctors just period like i don't love his 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 three seasons i think uh, i think his second season with clara is pretty rough um i think clara mostly because i was kind of just done with clara i think there's a lot of good episodes in in those seasons in that season i don't love his first season i love his last season and like it really cements to me that he is one of my favorite actors to play the doctor he's the 12th doctor is one of my favorite doctors period he certainly has my favorite tardis i love that tardis design so much um and Sparks talked about it when he finished it that uh, Bill and Nardle were really interesting characters, really interesting companions, and he's absolutely right. Um, they're probably the best companions that that Capaldi had between them and Clara. I think it's a damn shame we only got one season with them and two with Clara because I would have I would have liked that reversed. Um, I think Clara kind of like extended her welcome into this into a second season with Capaldi, but Bill and Nardle had a lot of really interesting potential that could have gone into a second season that I would have really liked to have seen. Um, I think those characters work really well with Dr. Uh, Nardle, especially um, this really cool stuff that they do with Missy that I really enjoyed. Um, the ending is so good. So good ending the, his, his regeneration episode twice upon a time. I, I said it before the first time I watched it eight, like years ago, but still it's really good episode. Sparks, you look like you want to say something. Yeah, I mean, uh, because I I have an opinion on this, so I'll share it, which is like, I would not trade the second season with Clara for anything, um, because I feel very strongly about that. I would take another season with Bill and Nardle, though. I think, I don't think Clara's second season with Capaldi is bad. I think her first season isn't very strong. Mm -hmm. And if I swapped out that season to move her stories in the second season up, I'd be like, yeah, fine. But I wouldn't get rid of her stories in the second season. Yeah, my 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 issue isn't necessarily her, Clara as a character, or necessarily even Jill Coleman, who is an actress I like. It's just that by the time 
I just thought that she was just wearing thin. I didn't think that there was a lot that could be done with the character anymore. I do really like her ending. I think her ending is really strong. I think there's a lot of really, uh, there's a lot of potential that they leave on the table. Those last couple episodes are really good. Um, but yeah, I, I miss Capaldi, man. Uh, I, I already miss him and I, I'm, I'm deep into Whitaker's first season, which I'm kind of struggling with. I'll be honest. It's a little boring. Um, I like two of her companions quite a lot. Yaz and Graham don't really like Ryan. Um, sorry, Ryan. I'm doing um, my best. <laughs> uh, and I like Jodie Whittaker as the doctor. I just don't think they're giving her the best material to work with. Um, and I, I think that there's a difference between like, I don't think Capaldi necessarily had the best material to work with either, but I think he kind of like, when he realized what doctor he wanted to be after his first season, he like, it like clicked into place. Like he was just, there to be the doctor and you were like yes this is the doctor um although i'll be honest i never really liked the sonic sunglasses um i preferred it. Oh, i liked I it better him. when he had the the the, the sonic screwdriver I, I just... see i love change so i'm all about sure. doing something new and different he's really fun with the screwdriver though like I, like the way he like flourishes and you know he his his costume was really good like he had the sleeves sticking out of his jacket so they look like a pirate and he would like wave his, his sonic screwdriver. i was like that's fun i like that um yeah the, the sonic glasses have make a really fun appearance in twice upon a time where he puts them on the first doctor and the first doctor goes, why am i wearing these yeah uh it's pretty good anyway uh doctor who's good guys i'm really enjoying the journey that i'm on right now with doctor who like i'm just between big finish and the show even if the show's not firing on all cylinders like i wanted to be like i got big finish to just be like look at all this like, great doctor who content that i can just listen to over and over again when does when does the new stuff start next month next month i remember a year ago when they were like we still don't have official release dates yeah yeah but we know it's next month like a a year ago it's like yeah it's coming next year late next year and we're like a year away and we're here time isn't real yeah (laughs) no that's true Uh, i'm so excited here brandon and i say more about doctor who because i'm not going to get into it here on fake nerds watch because that's where we need to put time for that yes time 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 All right, guys, that'll do it for my week. Uh, sorry that took so long. Why don't we get into our bread and butter? Mm. I'm burning the bread. Yum, 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 yum. He's so tired. He thinks there's bread there. <laughs> and Brandon will return in a five and a four, a three and a two, and a one. Welcome I back. Am. I'm back. Um... <laughs> I like the idea that Ben is just like actually does think that there's bread in his hand. Mm. <laughs> I just for some reason thought that was very cool. Where does so bread weird. come from, man? That was more um, like chocolate. It was. All right, some sadness up top. Phyllis Coates, who is the first ever television Lois Lane, she passed away mm. at the age of ninety-six due to natural causes. Uh, she was the George Reeves. She, she was George Reeves Lois Lane. Oh man, that's that's considerably yeah. longer than. Oh man, that's crazy. Yeah, ninety six. Yeah. Hot dog. Started it all. That's awesome. Hot damn. Yeah, it's, uh, if you go back to watch some of those episodes, um, she's great. Like they 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 did it. That was Lois. Yeah. Burt Young, Sparks and I's favorite character, Polly from Rocky. Um, oh, oh, Polly. Polly from Rocky uh, passed away at the age of 83. No cause of death is given at this time. Um, look, I said some pretty nasty things about Polly. I don't think he's a very good character. I think he sucks. 
but he's a very Burt, Burt Young is a very good actor and he plays him well. He plays him well. That character is written to be a shit. Um and he yeah. plays that character very well. Yeah, I'm I'm sad that Burt Young passed away. At least he had a nice long life. Um and it's a shame that his legacy is playing one of the worst characters in cinema history. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. A yeah. character who literally shouldn't have been in any movie after the first one. I 100% agree with that. Imagine how much better Five would have been. I, I imagine how much better all of them would have been. Remember when he's racist? I literally, yes. Remember when he's always sexist? Yeah. Rest anyway. in peace, Bert. He's also, he's also deeply... Rest in peace, Bert! He's also deeply ableist, which is also a problem. Yeah. Yeah, he's anyway. all the worst things. But anyway, that's not Bert Young. That's a character. Yes, Burt Young is a is a good character actor. Always was very reliable character actor. Um, and it's a it's a shame to lose him. Eighty three though, not bad. Still a long life. Mm-hmm. Piper Laurie, who probably most famously to a lot of people that we would have in our circle was the mother in the first Carrie film. Ben's best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, she passed away at nope. the age. I I would argue. Uh, because she won multiple Golden Globes for it is Twin Peaks. She was the one of the biggest stars in the 90s because of Twin Peaks. Sure. Um, she was also in one of my favorite cult classics, The Faculty, one of the greatest sci-fi horror movies ever made back in 1998. Mm. Uh, she was a Golden Age queen. She lived a long life. She was one of the first... I, I, I'm, I'm not joking here. She's one of the first times where I'm like, oh, an old lady can be hot. Oh. <laughs> Because like in, um, she she plays Catherine Catherine Horn in in Twin Peaks and she's the meanest bitch alive but she's like oh she oh oh yeah um she's awesome she's such a good actress um yeah she yeah, passed she, away like, yeah. <clears throat> real quick then just ninety one natural causes yeah yeah she uh, a long long very very if you look at her her filmography it's 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 decades of so much stuff like uh, she's incredible incredible talent yeah um and then oh yeah this one hurt. Keith Giffen. Yeah. Legendary comic book writer and artist. Um, co-creator of great characters, such as Jaime Reyes. Just got a movie. Lobo uh, and Rocket Raccoon as well. Lobo and Rocket Raccoon. Um, he passed away at the age of 70 due to complications from a stroke. Yeah, um, he is he is one of the prime pri- primary premier writers of Marvel and DC of the 80s and 90s. Um yeah. he uh, he basically uh, uh, saved the Justice League comic in the 80s. He turned Justice League into one of the best comics of that era. He wrote, in my opinion, the funniest Justice League comic ever made with Justice League International. I got the volumes over there. Uh, he Most writes, people would agree with that. He, he writes the best um, uh, Guy Gardner I've ever read. He's the When I think of Guy Gardner, I think of him. He's an asshole. He, the, he's the guy who had Batman one-punch him to, and knocks him out. Uh, I love I love that comic. It is so good. It's so funny um his stuff like he's one of the reasons i really like the 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 the, the league the legion the, the legion of superheroes uh which got me into the old stuff which got me into the newer stuff um yeah this one this one uh uh this one sucks he's he he's he's a, he's a legend he's an incredible artist um i i i also love writer. justice league Inter- writer sorry i also love justice league international um i his like last thing about He's also deeply funny. Like I'm sure you guys heard his last words, which is like yeah. when he said, "Like oh yeah, I told them I can't go to New York Comic Con because I was sick." Ha ha ha. And that was he knew he knew that was happening at that point. Like he knew he wasn't yeah. going to make it. 
Um, and it was, uh, yeah, the sad, sad loss. Like what, what an incredible legacy. What an incredible person. Um, uh, that one, that one will be, that one hurt. That one's deeply missed. All right. Let's move on to some strike updates. Hot labor summer, it, baby. It doesn't seem as dire as it did when, I, when uh, two days ago, um, because things have, things have changed. Things have changed for the better, but uh, we're going to go through some of the updates that have happened in the interim, um, such as the WGA has ratified the contract. The contract that we talked about in the last episode, um, the WGA voted 99%. The WGA members voted 99% in favor of voting, of ratifying that contract. So now that, that is the contract for the next three years. It is not temporary. It is set in stone for the next three years. The contract that we already talked about, which was a good contract, got a lot of great stuff out of it, um, will be uh, it for the next three years and beyond because they'll because they can't change. They can't make a worse contract after this. Thank goodness. I mean, they can try. They can try, but they won't try. Um, One of the things that I did want to bring up and Sparks is kind of in agreement about this one. And I think I should probably we all are um, is that something has already come of this, of this contract being uh, ratified, something really good. And that is, um, well, losing jobs is never good, but there's something kind of behind it that, that is potentially very good. Um, So the bad news is that the entire creative team of Daredevil Born Again was fired. All the writers and directors completely laid off of the, of the shoot. And And they were, they were halfway done filming that show too, which is, if it was a little little earlier, four episodes, four episodes. Well, that's still a lot. They were mid production. uh, And then everyone gets let go. And that's, that sucks. Yeah, that does suck. Um, The, the, the corporate excuse is that it wasn't working, but this is because of this. This is because of this new contract. Because if you look at one of these things that that what's happening is, and like even Marvel probably knew they needed to do this. Uh, there's a book out right now called. Uh, there's a book out right now that's been making a lot of news articles. Um, just kind of uh, the this new MCU book that it, I I've started reading is very good. Um, it very much felt oh, like the, Marvel. One of the Ringer po- podcast hosts, Joanna Robinson. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, th- this this seemed like an, ev- an inevitability anyway because Marvel knew they were they were failing in the TV space quite drastically and they needed to make a, a significant change. But this contract seemed to have kicked them in the butt with this one. Um, so now they're going to repurpose the show. Some things will probably stay the same. Some things probably won't. There's a lot of talk about um um. Uh, I, I think Foggy was uh, killed in the first episode or something. And both of them were off screen. Oh, I, I thought Karen wasn't even acknowledged in the no, show. They both, I, that's what I no. heard. It's, it's both of them. Yeah. See, uh, whether that, that plot leak is real or not, uh, I think it's awesome, except for the opening thing. I think it's yeah. an awesome story, except for the opening where he starts in grief. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so shitty to those two actors. At least kill them on screen if you're going to do that. Like, but don't do that at all. So like, it's it's a it's a win lose. Like uh, again, like I don't want anyone to lose their jobs. It sucks that people who are gonna make a Daredevil show now don't get to. But like, better better uh, better payment for everyone coming on board. Hopefully, a better story. Like treat treat those characters with respect, not just yeah. Daredevil. Yeah, even though the plot ideas sounded good, like that doesn't mean that the execution was gonna be where it needed to be. Yeah, and I think both things are true. While yes. These things are happening because they have to now under contracts. They need to change who the staffing of this is. They could have changed who the staffing of this is around these people. Yeah. They decided not to. And I do think that that also speaks to, they were looking at it and they were saying, not good "Mm, enough. You know, secret invasion maybe shouldn't have gotten out the door. 
So maybe we need to rein this in a little. So what we now know and what we've always known, honestly, what we've always suspected is that they've they've been making their shows like they've been making their movies, which is very much executive uh, uh, executive um, he, um, Pretty uh, run. Um, oh, yeah. You you're 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 you get a writer, you write the writer writes the movie, the director directs the movie, the executive puts the movie together, they put it on theaters. So that's how you make, that's not how you make a TV show. Notably, with the exception of and, and only in the context of like different thinking went into it loki mm. and she hulk yeah yeah um and then aside from that uh because they were designed to either be multi-season or episodic more like traditional television the rest of them yes have been long movies and yeah. guess what that didn't work it's crazy that so, the two that are working are the ones that are like tv shows secret invasion is the one that that everyone points to being the one that like kind of the straw that broke that broke the camel's back and really like yeah it shouldn't have come out um it was very much there it was it was everything wrong with the marvel approach to tv shows which is flying by the seat of your pants shooting it re relying on post-production to come to complete it with um that marvel has become very reliant on um reshoots um mm -hmm. you can you, you reshoots have always been a thing but marvel has been very reliant on them to fix a movie um a lot of the movies have been have been saved in the reshooting and they were acting that they were doing that with their tv shows that's not and that that wasn't working that wasn't working. So now, um, now that we're so far removed, I mean, not that far removed, but like from Secret Invasion, like that is without a doubt the absolute worst product the MCU has ever made. I would rather oh, watch yeah. the first season of Iron Fist again than Secret I, Invasion. See, Iron Fist, I know that those are like, you know, tangential connection, but like, come on. Yeah. No, in, in in comparison, like I would 100% watch that Iron Fist again, because at least that has Jennifer Henwick in it. It has, it has an arc. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> it has arcs. Yeah. Yeah, if, if they didn't fix it after Secret Invasion, we then that this is when people would start going, okay, now but really, what are you doing? No, like for real though. Yeah. So um, going forward, Marvel shows will now have um, get this proper showrunners. We've talked Good. about before. We talked about this before. Marvel uses the term head writers, um, which is which is not a showrunner. It is such someone who writes. We look. Every, almost every streaming show has one person write all six episodes of a TV show, and then and the, and the executive puts it together. And that that stop. Stop. It's bad. It's always bad. It doesn't work. It's not always bad. It doesn't work. Uh, we need staffing. Um, and uh, they're going to write uh, pilots instead of uh, instead of dumping $150 million into a, into a full series. They're going to start shooting pilots. Oh my Incredible. goodness. <laughs> what a revelation. And uh, show Bibles, which is basically just like things that uh, the, the writers need to uh, need to adhere to. Uh, yeah, uh, the world and, and pilot uh, uh that is so smart because making a pilot instead of doing it all at once having a pilot will set the tone for the show and all the rest of the directors can follow and which is another mm -hmm. thing with the show like the bible the show bible so like this is all the stuff again we've been doing for decades in tv and they're just now catching up to it and i'm like cool now we can get really good tv shows thank god again yeah. these and, things worked these things work yeah. for a reason they do, they do, and I'm surprised that I know it's a Marvel, not 100% Disney, but Disney's done good TV before, so it's really no, yeah, shocking it's... that how Disney, how what like Marvel, but Disney has a television division. Marvel yeah, doesn't true. anymore. Marvel true. Television was folded into Marvel Studios. Right. I will I will point out, not to give any praise directly to Iger or anything, but Iger might have righted this ship sooner from a like cost perspective mm -hmm. of what it was costing the company. Just looking at it, like I don't think necessarily if Iger had been in the early involvement of Secret Invasion uh, when it was in its production woes that he would have 
put, kept putting money to it and let it go as it was, I think he would have called it by then. Yeah. Um, to change it, we we were deep in the Chapek era, um, yeah. and there's a lot of, you know, it's not an excuse, but it is an amount of like we're still living with all these like top down things. Like what we see is like years behind of what happened behind the scenes like trickle down trickle down marvel nomics and i think like it's good that this is happening this is what needs to happen this is what happens because of the writer contracts that's all really good and everything um i think some change and some of this like fatigue that it's created could have been averted with a better ceo at the top and frankly if kevin feige like i don't know is he sleeping at the wheel um because he also should have done it but again but again i'll go back to he also had to answer to Chapek at a time. So there was an amount of pressure that had to come down. So who knows? You know, uh, you know the Odin sleep? Uh, Kevin Feige's been working nonstop for 15 years. He's in a Kevin sleep. <laughs> J- J- well, but like, J-Pek like actually, though. Once and he went, oh. <laughs> 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 But actually, like, that's that that's also something that, like, some of the, some some scoopers online, believe it or not, like, you know, people, scoopers, scoopers are hit and miss. But, like, people are talking about, like, and something that I always suspected, Kevin Feige, when he was made the chief creative officer of all of Marvel, was stretched too thin. He yeah. felt he there are people that were put in charge that we're seeing more of, like Nate Moore, that are the ones who are putting these things together. And Kevin Feige is doesn't have the oversight that he used to. Yeah. Well, and like to to Kevin's defense also, I just truly don't think he's a TV producer. Yeah. Yeah. I just I just don't think that's where his he's brain, a movie guy. I don't think that's where he's at his I don't think that's where his skill set is. I don't think it's where he's at his best in judgment mm-hmm. yeah uh and and i don't think he he should have to be there should be i think he guy. should be i think he should be managing like the overall site of the thing and like more focused on movie side and have someone that you trust to like absolutely you know, be be running the tv stuff and be actually competent at it and i think that's been a, a fault bro loki loki uh halfway through season two but like it's, spoilers it's good like and season one's incredible like yo man get one of those guys like they know how to run a tv show like this, have them like, hey, you can do all the Marvel shows. Like, let let you oversee. Well, I remember the creator of the creator of Loki went on to do Doctor Strange: The Multiverse of Madness and is writing Secret Secret Wars. Oh, he got an upgrade. Never mind. You don't have to come and, back, bro. You're fine. <laughs> but but we have good. We have you know like this is this is good. This is hopeful for the future. Yep. I think that this means. I do think this means that She Hulk will get another season. Yes. I think it means Miss Marvel's going to get another season. I hope. I think there's there's going to be more of thought of like who works in that serialized television space to really give them their shot. Mm-hmm. So um, that was the that was the last thing real quickly that because you brought that up the last thing I'll bring up with this was is that um the 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 goal here is to focus on multi-season serialized TV series rather than limited series. And I hope that we see more things because this is what it still kind of gets to me that like we're not there uh really not yet kind of close with Hawkeye and and No Way Home but like we're still not at the point where we're doing even though it's all under the same studio the agents of shield to winter soldier yes. feeling yeah, and yeah, then yeah. back to agents of shield Word. like i want to live in that space that again. crossover that that television to movie moment that was so that good. was that shit was so good unrivaled watching agents of shield one week walking into winter soldier walking back to agents of shield the next week and having agents of shield respond to the movie blew my mind in that moment i was like oh my god we're here this is a full network i want that feeling yeah that's I want the, the feeling best that the world works together that's not the best every, synergy we've not every had. show has to do that yeah. necessarily but i want us to approach that feeling again like it can happen absolutely secret invasion broke me 
Yeah, it sucks. Um, <laughs> it's rough. And you know what? And, and again, rumors like there's rumors that they're canceling Wonder Man and some other stuff too. And I'm like, yeah. not the Yayo Medulla Teen Show. No. <laughs> no yeah. That would have been funny. He's a movie star. Come on. I mean, it's kind of interesting that they're canceling a show they never actually announced. But it has like every cast in the world. I know. Like, it's, I don't understand. Like, it's it's announce it. Secret. Hopefully, um, it's not a canceled secret. Got it. All right, but yeah, yeah. Maybe so they would be better as a one-off special, even though they said that they're going to abandon those ideas, which is wrong because again, one of the best things we've gotten is Werewolf by Night. What special, they should yeah. be doing, what they should be doing, is focusing on multi-season shows: Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, Loki, and sure. specials. And specials. Yeah, the fact, I agree. The fact I that I agree. that the, there was a persistent rumor that yo, we're getting another one of those this this month for October. Yeah, didn't happen. Like they, well, supposedly. They did Supposedly, it was pushed in next year because it's tied to Agatha. Oh, oh mm, all right, that's fine. So that's I would, fine. I, I would imagine that that was probably true because Agatha yeah. was pushed to next year also. So that's true. Whatever. Now the seventh pile it has. Yeah, Agatha. What, what could it be? Agatha and did the witch's see, brood. Did you see someone, women in a society? Did you see someone say that they're just going to decide that those are all the episode titles? That'd be fun. That'd be fun. Yeah, that's okay. I don't, I, that. I, I don't hate that. Anyway, so yeah, so it looks like thing. It looks like Marvel is probably riding the ship here. It looks like this, the WGA strike is partially responsible for this, which is really nice. It's really mm-hmm. it, it it gives me hope for the future of streaming television. Um, and hopefully, uh, DC, hopefully, uh, Lucasfilm can um follow suit because maybe writing maybe one person writing a show isn't a great idea. Um, Andor. Right. Tony Gilroy is not the only person writing Andor. No, that's what I'm saying. And that's yeah. that's that's a good example of it. Um but SAG AFTRA uh, things aren't as dire for them as they were as they were a couple of days ago, uh, which is nice. Uh, I'm happy to say that uh, they are meeting again um this week, this coming week. Uh the the SAG AFTRA and the AMPTP. This was before the AMPTP literally walked away from negotiations. They were like, Okay, we're you're being unreasonable, we're leaving. Wait, and, hold on, hold on, come back though, please. Hold on, hold on, we're not done. And this was after apparently, like the the AMPTP said this is because they were they were asking they've like tacked on some shit and they were asking for too much. But what SAG actually did was they asked for two originally in their proposal they asked for two percent of every streaming dollar they get uh, for every, every not streaming dollar for every subscriber. Uh, a streamer gets that's two percent so that's like 57 cents i think is what what it was um and and the mptp was like no so they lowered it to one percent which is even less one percent less than two percent right mm-hmm. um and the mptp said they were being unreasonable and they walked away now this is what this is where the problem started this is where the that's where the problem started because and thank god sag knew knew how to combat this because they did the same thing with the WGA. A lot of big named actors in SAG, George Clooney, Emma Stone, like a lot of the A-listers met with SAG leadership to, um, what did they say? Um, they pro- to propose a $150 million deal that would raise their union dues, just the A-list union dues. Um, and would put that money into pension and health insurance mm-hmm. and this was a way for them to say now let's end the strike because if that's the if that's the sticking point let's end the strike um and sad came back said that's not the sticking point 
the employer needs to put the money needs to put money into health insurance. That's how the system works. Yeah. And it still doesn't cover protections for AI or residuals for streaming. Um it, so, it looks it looks nice on paper, but like they're just like, can we get the strike done so I can get back to work? Well, everyone yeah. else downloads like, no, but we still need all that protection shit. You can't just give us money. That's not just what we're asking for. Right. And like it's only frustrating because like most of these people have not shown up and done the work. That's to the thing. Support uh everyone else bro jessica chastain she's killing it she's always street she's always lily gladstone has like like one of the biggest movie of the like of the the drama year uh in killers of the flower moon and she stroked the day it came out like yeah that's come on guys look at this yeah it's and like you guys are right like these people aren't showing up to these to these lines and like maybe because they're too high profile and whatnot but that's what we need the high profile people. It can't just be the nobodies who are out there. Mar- Margot Robbie and Samara Weaving were out there. I don't think anybody has an excuse. Right, yeah. exactly. Margot Margot Robbie has the biggest movie of the year. Yeah. Um, so oh, the thing is, so so it's really so okay. Anyway. Um so, so studios so here's here's the second point for Stag. Studios are still demanding that a background actor would get paid for one day of work and be scanned have their likeness scanned and get and they are able to use that likeness in perpetuity forever um and i'm sure we all saw the clip on that disney channel movie or whatever it was um yeah. the people clapping um that's what they want um obviously that technology would get better over time but still those people no matter who they are need to get paid for that work what's really shitty is that we've just found out that gladiator 2 did this too Gladiator Ridley Scott scanned all of his background actors so that he can use them uh, in background shots whenever he wanted. Um, And again, not a problem if you're paying them for every single time they use them. Uh, As Clark Gregg said there uh, at the Congress, which I'll get to in a minute, in a minute, a person has the right to own that, to own their likeness forever. It is, this is what I look like. This is me. If you want to use this, you need to pay me forever. Right. Um. So anyway. Um. So that's and some of the stuff that's happening after I'm dead. You pay my family. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. And like we've already seen, like ethically, this ethically done. I don't love that Carrie Fisher is in the Rise of Skywalker, but they went to the family, and that was a whole thing. They went to the family and and worked with the family to make this to make this work. We just I, found out in Cyberpunk 2077 that they brought back a, an actor using AI with the help with the blessing and the money from the, the that person's family mm-hmm. yeah i think i think having um oh no her name left my brain carrie fisher's daughter billy billy, lord. billy, billy lord, lord thank you uh having billy lord functionally there and even stepping in as the young version of her i'm i'm like you know it's your choice yeah mm-hmm. i'm sure again, i'm sure i'm sure you knew your mom very well and you don't feel you're doing anything against her wishes besides honoring her yeah Right. And again, as long as they get as long as that likeness is not owned by Disney, that's right. that's the important thing. Yep. Um because I mentioned Clark Gregg, I'm gonna skip a little bit to the to the bill has been introduced uh in in Congress called the No Fakes Act. Oh, um podcast is dying, guys. Rip. <laughs> this is a big uh oh, I just got that. Um <laughs> the nerd podcast. The nerd podcast. Um I ju- uh which is a big deal. This is this yeah. is the kind of this is the kind of legislation that Disney and Netflix and uh, have created a task for task force to shoot down. Um, we talked about a couple week a couple weeks ago that uh, they're going to uh, 
uh, look for this kind of thing to take this down. Um, so basically what this means is um, it would protect actors, singers, and others from having their voice and likeness become AI generated. Um, if passed, the act would hold people and companies liable if they produce or host digital replicas without consent, which means if I, if someone, a voice actor, uh, hears their voice in an animated project or something online, they can sue that person if they didn't right. give their consent. Ooh. On Twitter, uh, there is some shitty ad going around that's using an AI version of Steve Bloom's voice. And he on Twitter was like, hey, please have this removed or I'm coming after y'all. Jesus. His voice that. has been prominent for 30 years all over animation. So yeah, you can train an AI to sound like Steve Bloom. He's one of the most recognizable voice actors alive. Yeah. That also means that like you can trick people into thinking it's him. And that's so shitty. That is so yeah. shitty. A lot of actors uh, went went to Congress to speak on behalf of the uh, on behalf of this bill. Thank goodness, Clark Gregg, as I mentioned, was one of them. Um, it looks like this is look. I, we can't say any any which way this is going to be passed or not, but this would be a huge step in protecting uh, AI likeness, especially with Sat with the MPTP still uh, insisting that AI generated of uh, work could be, be used. It'll be a law. It'll be a law. So 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 it would require the protections in their contract rather than be a negotiation it would have to be in the contract there's It'd no be against the law it. baby that's awful and it, and it should be frankly it should be and you know what like i you know all, all of our government is run by like shitty 80 year old white men but here's the thing mm -hmm. i think of all the things that we can't agree with i don't think they would want to be like digitized into like ai monsters they i don't think want they, people they don't want people like being able to mimic things they have to do they have to constantly like be like i didn't say that exactly so i didn't say i this. think this is one thing that they would agree on despite them like being super maybe anti-art <laughs> or whatever like being shitty people like oh i don't want a digitized version of me like i think everyone can relate to that you know what i mean so like and we've already seen that. this happen right there was not not during the current uh not during the current crisis but a couple of years ago there were a lot of like ai deep fakes of joe biden talking saying shit that people were falling for and like oh, Biden was yeah. like i didn't throw this facebook oh yeah everyone on facebook oh so yeah. like you know i i think you guys are right like this is something that affects not just actors singers and and whatever it affects it's everybody just, it's especially important to do that right now for for politicians sake like they want those protections in place because of exactly what you allude to brandon with like the facebook thing because like there's a there's still such a wide generation gap of people who are not um, internet literate. Yeah. And like, as long as that's the case, they like, they're know. gonna fall for that shit so fast and so easily. So these protections are necessary. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 2300 plus film slash TV producers are now petitioning the AMPTP to drop the second P from their name. As you guys might remember, is uh, the second P stands for producers. Um, the argument is that the PGA, the Producers Guild of America, um, is saying that the argument is that um, the MPTV doesn't actually represent producers. It represents studios and streamers. Yeah. So producers like, we're not associated with y'all. <laughs> Get us out of there. That makes sense. So uh, that makes a lot of sense. Get it out of there. Um, anyway, in response to... Um, Netflix having to, and in response to Netflix having the best quarter in years with a massive rise in in both uh, their basic and premium plans, thanks to the password crackdown, they have decided to raise the price for the second time this year to from $19.99 to $22.99 for the premium, and from $9.99 for the basic to $11.99 for the basic, which is the ad, which is the ad tier. Yeah, it bums me out that the password thing 
it, it actually worked on their benefit. Me too. And people, Me too. Oh, I guess I'll pay for it because like you know there's still good stuff on Netflix, but man, twenty two dollars. That's how much is Apple? Like five, like seven dollars. But if you're telling me that your that your ad ad tier, your basic tier, raised by seventy percent, so you're gonna raise the price now, but you're not gonna pay those people the residuals that you need that they that they already demand because ad ad, ad because that's just television. No. Um, you're doing something wrong. You're doing something shady, and I don't like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're also opening up brick and mortar stores, so maybe this Netflix never knows what they're doing. It's. I, I do feel like it's them just preempting. Like they know they're going to have to pay the actors now too. The we, we need four more dollars for it. everyone. They're going to be. They're going to be in trouble. Well, I think they also want to push people to the ad tier so they're making more money. Yeah. Even if yeah. they're paying the residuals in marketing and stuff, like they'll yeah. make more money by having more people on the ad tier. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost, it's almost like trying to change a system that was working for decades wasn't a good idea. Yeah, it just took just took a while to get there. I mean, it was. It just wasn't executed well. Yo, again, that first those, again, those first years of Netflix were dope, dude. Libraries, digital libraries are a good idea and yeah. a good investment to have sitting there. Making your new product necessarily on that same thing, not necessarily the best way to go yeah but digital libraries that makes a lot of sense yep. yeah the, the thing the thing is like yeah those those first years of netflix those first years when netflix was putting out some really good content was really good but the problem ended up but the problem is netflix ran off a cliff with infinite with this stupid idea that we talked about with of infinite growth that everyone decided to follow them off of mm-hmm. and that was the mistake because yeah okay netflix can get away with it but maybe not everyone else should. And you yeah. would, and there's no such thing as infinite growth. You plateau every single time. So, um, yeah, don't do that. Anyway. That's why Apple, Whatever. I think, is like the premier one right now. Like, God, it's I wish we could, and... wish we could yeah. talk about that Apple show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. But, but maybe, ne- maybe next time, because the strike will maybe be over. I, I think yeah, this is it, the it last. Took, yeah, we're at 100 days with SAG, and it took like one, like 150 for the writers to get their thing. So, like, yeah. I have a feeling it won't take another 50 days at this point. Like, yeah, I mean, like, I think they, I think we're they the gotta start stretch. making movies soon, man. Like, what, like, <laughs> what are they doing? What are they gonna do? Yeah, I think we're on the home stretch. Yeah. Well, someone um, someone pointed out like if they don't agree by the end of the month, then it's not gonna happen until next year oh. because of the way things are. Aye, aye, aye. Mm-hmm. They got it. They got it then. Um, we're going to talk about some New York Comic Con stuff, but just the comic books and one anime, which we'll talk about later. Um, Hell yeah. Uh, DC announced that they're doing a new line of Elseworlds titles. Bringing it back. Um, they're bringing back the Elseworlds line, and they've announced um, the first, I think it's five. Um, the first one being Gotham by Gaslight, the Kryptonian Age. This is actually the third sequel to Gotham by Gaslight. I forgot what the second one's called. Um but this one will be um, written by Andy Diggle with art by Le- Leandro Fernandez. And it's going to introduce more 19th century versions of DC's heroes as Batman assembles the Justice League for the first time and learn more about the secret history between Earth and Krypton. Cool. That sounds okay. That sounds cool. Um, sounds fine. Most of these are Batman books, and I'm just like, well, that's original. But like this, the idea is, <laughs> but, but, but like, that sounds cool. Same shit, different year. It is. It's like, yeah. I mean, these might have all the black label books, in my opinion. But like, yeah, this sounds cool. I don't know what you're talking about. It's not that many Batman books. Oh, Batman the Barbarians on a Batman. Oh wait. Uh, yeah, they know <laughs> it's We're sheep. Batman the Barbarian, written and written and drawn by Greg Smallwood. This one like actually, 
specifically Greg Smallwood is like a premier art writer and like having him do both gives me like this one this lot, super cool. Yeah. A lot a lot of them, even the Batman ones, will sound like, you know, cool ideas. It's just like, I don't know, can we have like a cool idea about a different Are there any women? Of- are there any women in this uh, line in yeah. any of yes. these books? <laughs> yes. Thank God. Um so Batman the Barbarian is basically just a, ba- a medieval reimagining of Batman. That's yeah. basically all it is. Uh, Dark Knights of Steel All Winter is going to be a spinoff of, da- of Dark Knights of Steel, which is the Tom Taylor book. Um, medieval, this one, however, is going one. to be... What did you say? The medieval Game of Thrones-esque one. Yeah. Uh, this one... Ha- that's a medieval Batman. Yeah, but that's one... But that one's... Like, this is... this this is The, the first one's a barbarian. This one's Knights right. of the Round Table. I know. It's a joke. They're different medievals. Listen, um, I've already read The Return of Bruce Wayne by Grant Morrison, so I've read all these books already. Mm, true um dark Knights of steel all winter is this one not not written by tom taylor um this one however is written by jay christoph uh, with art by terso cons um this is going to focus on a norse inspired a version of deathstroke wandering a frozen wasteland and reluctantly becoming a protector of the innocent rather than a remorseless mercenary mm, sounds like um the hound from game of thrones i a, w- yes yeah i was thinking the same thing <laughs> i'm glad we live in the same brain <laughs> Not having that context, I thought this one sounded kind of cool. I don't know who the Hound is in Game of Thrones. He's the bad guy. He becomes kind of a good guy, and he protects a little girl. Cool. Last, like, uh, uh, like he's big and strong. Yeah. Being inspired by Norse mythology and stuff. Like, I don't think necessarily mythology, but like Norse stuff. It's kind of cool. Um, he's like a Viking man. Tom Taylor also announced that Dark Knights of Steel is on the Dark Knights of Steel Two is on the way. So that's kind of cool. Must have sold real well. Um, I have the first volume somewhere. I should read that. Um. Green Lantern Dark. Hey, not uh, a written, Batman book. This is the one I'm excited about. Um, yeah. Written by Tate Bromble, who's a, who's a writer I really like, um, with art by Weather Deladera. This takes place in an alternate universe where evil has ravaged a sunless Earth. A new Green Lantern has emerged as the only remaining hero, but she goes missing just as humanity needs her the most. I've seen the art. I've seen... I'm really stoked for this one. I thought this one looked really cool. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, I suck for Green Lantern, Green Lantern Mythos. So yeah, this one is speaking my language. Um, Batman Nightfire. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Written written by Clay Mann, drawn by Seth Mann, his brother. Interesting. Um, I just just, like contextually started to think of Batman as like Pixar, like, all right, but this time Batman's a toy that has feelings. (laughs) All right, but this time Batman's a car. (laughs) Oh, wait, that's real. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That is a show that exists. Um, This is a six issue miniseries. I think these are all six issue miniseries, except for one of the one of these is 12. a story set in a world where Batman harbors a secret so important that he would rather allow Gotham to burn down than let the truth be known. Uh, DC also hints that the series uh, will deal with Batman traveling to the past to rewrite his present. So, cool. Okay. DC versus vampires, World War Z, World War V. Sorry, oops. Um, DC versus vampires, World War V, which is the sequel to DC versus vampires. Um, this that's one a good book, actually. By... That's a that's a damn good book. I actually read that one. That was maybe, awesome. Maybe Halloween Book Club next year. Yeah, it was awesome. Great art. There's a 12 issue miniseries written by Matthew Rosenberg with art by Otto Schmidt. Oh, gee, Otto um, Schmidt's the dude. He's so good. Humanity is beginning to restore sunlight after the events of the first series. Unfortunately, for the for these survivors, an undead Barbara Gordon emerges as the latest and greatest threat to humanity's survival. 
Yeah, um, much like um, Deceased, which is another great book that I like. Like, this is just like a really great alternate story with DC and vampires. And it's like, it sounds generic, but it's all about obviously execution. And Otto Schmidt's an incredible artist. Yeah. Um, and it was really, really fun. And like characters you don't expect to die, like all that stuff, like it's unexpected twists. So like, um, I might not pick it up initially, but like, I'm glad it's getting a sequel because that book was, was fun. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about uh, DC versus vampires. I've been meaning to pick it up. I My also- boy, I vampire shows up in there. You have to love it. Oh yeah, I, I I just recently picked up the latest deceased, the final deceased graphic novel, so I gotta pick that. I gotta read that. Um, not Elseworlds, although I guess technically it could be. This is not Elseworlds anymore, though. Um, DC announced that they're going to release a um a new version of Batman number four twenty eight, which is the episode, which is the issue where Jason Todd dies. Um, mm. however, this one will be published with the uh he lives pages. Um, cool. so this they is going to be yet? they haven't done that yet. This is gonna be okay. this is going to be the issue that they would have released if he had lived. Oh. Um that's cool. Uh, I love that, that idea actually. It's basically it. I do too. I thought that was a really cool idea. Yeah. Um there's an entire geez, there's an entire like alternate history where like he just gets to be Robin and never become like a, a murder man. That's that's like that's a decent idea. I don't hate that. Yeah. Um I doubt it's gonna go anywhere, but like I it's kind of a cool I no, I pick well, it up. I'd I'd like to see those pages. It's like uh, I don't want to say it's like the Black Bercy from Superman, but either way, it's still cool that we actually get to see what those pages were. Because I can only imagine that it was down to the wire where they're like, "All right, we have two sets of pages. Where are we going to go into? What's going to go into?" Well, no, they they did both pages ahead of time, and they were just like, "Whatever gets whatever wins, we're just going to publish it." It's not like they were yeah, like yeah, doing it at last minute. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing. Um, uh, Sparks, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, uh, even if we lived in that alternate history where he lived 100%, like, you know, a few years go by, and then they want to make a what if he had died, and then <laughs> you still get Red Hood, and then they're like, oh, no, we actually really like this character. Find a way to make him canon. Find a way to make him canon. God. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. John Constantine Hellblazer, Dead in America, written by Cy Sperrier and Aaron Campbell, is coming. They're back. They're um, coming back, baby. This is going to be a continuation of, of the last John Constantine series that they did uh, that ended and that was canceled in 2020. And uh, Sizeberry wrote this long thing about how like it was really shitty that they canceled it and yeah. really sucks. Um, so he's coming back to 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 do this. It's going to be an eight issue miniseries. Um, and Constantine is going to America to have to team up to have some team ups with a Dream, the Endless, um, oh, yeah. and Swamp Thing, and plenty more. Um, and we'll feature. This is really interesting feature 28 story pages with no ads so it's going to be like packed in like like as much story as they can in these eight issues i love it um that constantine hailblazer series from the last couple uh, two years ago is like is one is our it, not argue it is the best modern constantine since the new 52 it's un- unquestionable uh it feels like classic hellblazer from the 80s like yeah. it's dark ready it's not new 52 pg-13 it is like straight up just dope ass dark constantine I picked up those first few issues it was really good yeah um so like it's really great because that book got canceled out of nowhere and it's it was really shitty uh and like it's a beloved book so like I this remember. is this is great this is really good news yeah um before i move into this did you guys want to talk about i didn't put this in here but did you guys want to talk about the superman and the superman superstars initiative happening in action comics i don't even know what that is yeah you're gonna have to tell me because i have no clue okay so what this is uh, basically it was announced at new york comic-con that philip kennedy philip kennedy johnson's right that's his name um he's leaving action comics um Uh after this year and what's they're going for the next year action comics will have a rotating cast of artists and writers starting with jason aaron that's right. um, going to Joshua Williamson, 
um, just telling their own kind of arcs in, in action comics. And the idea is that it's going to be this big, like, um, really like push of like, the, like all these like superstar creators writing, putting their mark on Superman on action comics. And this is just happening in action comics because uh, uh, Joshua Williamson will still write Superman. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. Sure. I mean, that's fun. That's nice. I, I'd yeah. be. You I'd could be... also just let a lady write Superman for a while. Come on, bro. Good idea. Um, <laughs> Jason Aaron, I'm, I, I doubt I'll read it, but like, I've been really lukewarm on Jason Aaron the last couple of years. Um, so I'm really curious to to have him be someone who's been Marvel exclusive for like 15 years, jump to DC, see what he does. Um, because he has a really interesting take on heroes, and I'm really curious what he would do with Superman, a character he's never he doesn't write characters like Superman. Uh, mm-hmm. uh so like I'm really curious to see how he tackles that. Sure. Um, uh, I, I hope I hope for the best. I, hope, I want him to write good comics. I was looking. I'm looking at this at the news to see if uh, they announced anyone else between besides Jason, Aaron, and Josh Williamson. Now these are three issues each, so it's not going to be like long runs on these things. Yeah. Um, but I guess they haven't announced anymore. Beyond, beyond that is honestly, it's something I wish. Again, I'm someone who does want like 70 issue runs, but also I really like the idea of just every arc's a new a new creative team, new story. It's almost like an anthology in the story. I really like that idea. Um, no, they never do it. Um, but I think that's a cool, it is a cool initiative to try. So like, I, I'm down for the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Ryan, you're going to have to tell, you're going to have to kind of walk me through what you want me to read on, on these next three. Okay. Um, so this is Fall of the House of X, Rise of the Powers of X and Resurrection of Magneto. These are the books mm-hmm. that we know are coming from Jerry Duggan, uh, Lucas Wernick on Fall, um, Kieran Gillen and Arby Silva on Rise and Al Ewing and Luciano Vecchio on Resurrection of Magneto. We have now full solicitations for these yep do you want me to what 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 of these do you want me to read um i don't think you really need to it's just it's just like hey we're this is we're approaching the end of the kokoa era for sure um um tom reforts already said i have my i got my first new x-men script that i've ever read this is wild um jerry duggan if you follow his Substack, he did a whole thing of like y'all this is the end like it's it's sad it's really sad for me too but like um i just hope it goes out with a bang uh magneto coming back okay there was they released like a like a motion trailer and people are really freaking out because it looks like they're trying to make magneto a villain again and that at this point in in magneto's life in comics for everyone that is the biggest mistake you can make in the history of the world because the dude just literally died a hero talking to like talking about his dead daughter and he can't wait to see her again like you cannot bring him back as a villain so that that is the thing i'm the most scared about i'm truly terrified because he has been the coolest hero uh, of, of the X-Men of the last 20 years. Like, like that is a dude who's truly radicalized into like being like the premier X-Men character. Cause it's like the way he views the world and stuff. So like, um, uh, uh, yeah, like, you know, things, bad things are happening. We're all coming together. We're trying to survive. It's a fall of X. Um, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm excited for the resurrection of Magneto because it's Al Ewing and he's the dude who's been writing Magneto the last couple of years perfectly. Um, so the fact that they're bringing him back after his ex- exquisite death isn't shocking. Uh, I'm just really worried that they're going to turn him into a villain, as the world yeah. is. Interesting. To, someone did mention that Tom Brevoort is very much like a meat and potatoes Marvel guy. So it'll be interesting to true. see what happens. So um, that is, I've seen people talking about that. Uh, he is, he is not, not, this is not me going at you. It's just like, that that is unequivocally not true because he's the guy who who edited Bendis's and Hickman's Avengers runs, and both of those runs are huge and explosive. He is he is the editor of Moon Knight, and that Moon Knight comic is incredible. Uh, he's not a meat and potatoes guy. A lot of people think he is. Like 
Uh, you know who is? That's the Spider-Man editor, Nick Lowe. He's meeting Taylor's oh, guy. Man. That's why Spider-Man suffered for 10 years because they won't get Nick Lowe off the Spider-Man books. Uh, that's why I am excited for Brevoort on X-Men because he is not a guy who's like, let's just do status quo stuff. He is a guy who's like, I am for change. That's why he's been the big editor at Marvel for so long. Um, I, was trying like, to get to, I was trying to get to the fact that I think people say that because they haven't liked the last, what is it, two Avengers runs? the Aaron and whatever's going on now who's writing it now oh no people like the jed mckay oh i don't know your timeline people like the jed mckay one because that's just that's a really crazy bonkers cosmic book but the the thing that i see actually i don't really care dead x-men um okay written by steve fox with art by uh vincenzo caratu bernard chang and jonas sharf uh this is going to be a four issue miniseries um this is basically a team of fallen mutants are sent through through history by Professor X on a desperate mission to reverse Krakoa's fate. Uh, so you guys are obviously very much behind. These are all the X-Men who died in the X in the Hellfire Gala this year. Uh, and they're all getting resurrected. Uh, the interesting thing is the, the dead X-Men logo has a has like a planet in the middle. And uh, Emma Frost has a spaceship that looks like that. Or a little saucer looking thing. So like people are speculating it's going to be a weird space zombie book. And I'm like, that sounds really weird. Steve Fox is a cool guy. He writes a lot of really cool, weird books. So like, um, uh, uh, I'll read it. I read X-Men books. Cable, Fabian Nicieza. How do you pronounce his last name? Nicieza. Uh, written uh, with art by Scott Eaton. It's going to be a four-issue miniseries. We'll see old and young Cable team up against Orcus and a new threat known as the Neocracy. Yeah, uh, Fabian's the man. He's 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 like the premier cable writer uh, of of the '90s. Uh, um, he, he wrote Cable and Deadpool and all this stuff. So like he's he's the guy to get if you're doing something like this. And luckily, he's one of those older guys who still has it. You know, it's not like you know uh, he lost it. So uh, I'm happy I'm happy to have him on a cable book. Cable's cool. Avengers Twilight, written by Chip Chip Zdarsky with art by Daniel uh, Acuna. Our uh, six issue miniseries um, in a gleaming new world of prosperity captain america is no more but steve rogers still exists floating through in america without where, where freedom is an illusion where the avengers are strangers and his friends are long dead but is the dream how do you assemble avengers in a world that doesn't want them Woo! Zarsky's writing a, a, a basically an Elseworlds world's book baby you know it's going to be incredible just like every other thing he's ever written in his life um this sounds dope daniel cuna has such an incredible unique art style especially with his colors ben i know you love daniel cuna the way you're falling asleep uh i'm really excited for this book again uh zadarsky doesn't want to write any of the mainstream books because like look the way they treat the spider-man writers or the batman look writers. how they're treating him on batman look how they're treating him on batman despite that book being dope as hell um so like i'm i'm just excited that dude continues to write just the coolest things ever i love zadarsky so much we also got a lot of new information on the ultimate universe um Jonathan Hickman and Stefano Caselli will write a book called Ultimate Universe. Um, this can be like mm -hmm. the um, the main flagship, the main flagship book. Yep. Um, Ultimate Black Panther will be written by Brian Hill with art by Stefano Caselli. Caselli also. Um, Hell yeah! This will be um, Conchu and Ra, who are collectively known as the Moon Knight, um, yes. are looking to expand their empire through Africa, and uh, Black Panther is in their way. Uh, I am y'all. I love Marvel comics. I'm always excited for new books. This new Ultimate line, I am I am beyond jazz for because uh, I know you guys haven't read it. This is not the Ultimate Universe that we know. This is a new, different Ultimate Universe. Yeah. Um, 
and like the maker is like i want to make the ultimate universe in, in my image so like we're getting weird things like peter parker not getting bit by the spider till he's an adult and we're getting like dr doom reed richard like in actual real different things that actually have permanence because this is the new line right um this black panther stuff sounds incredible like he's fighting like a moon knight conchu god that's gonna take over the like the take over the african continent Are you kidding me that sounds incredible the mask looks awful but i'm so excited for the book uh, because you already brought up uh, Spider-Man. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, which we know was written by Josh, jo Jonathan Hickman with Marco uh, Cicchetto. Uh, this is going to be a middle-aged Spider-Man being bitten by the spider, being bitten by the spider and Ooh. have to deal with uh, the um, uh, the great power comes great responsibility and things like that. Oh my god, yeah. This is, I, I don't know if I've seen Spider-Man Twitter, who eats more than most people, which is really funny, uh, be more excited for something in their lives, uh, which is nice because positivity on, in that corner of Twitter is, is really rare. rare. Um, dude, this this is the book we've been waiting for since Peter Parker stopped being an adult in the 90s. Like back when he was married with a kid. All Spider-Man has been reduced so far. It's insane. It is so crazy how far that character has come from where he used to be. Uh, like, again, that's why we love the, the Spider-Verse Peter Parker. So like the fact that we're just getting to do that uh, uh, is incredible. And Hickman, who got again, who doesn't really write comedy often, is an incredibly funny writer. So this gets to he gets to spread his his uh, his other chops. Um, and again, it's like a new world, so he can do what he wants. Like it's it's. I am so thrilled. I am so excited for this Ultimate line, dude. Yeah. I can't even tell you. Same. And Ultimate X Men, with which will be written by written and drawn by Peach Momoko. Hell yeah. Um, this is the one I'm excited about. In Japan, when a young student named His uh, Hisako Ich Ichiki uh, develops armor power, so armor, uh, she de discovers she's a mutant, and she's not the only one. Made a new generation of mutants filled with original and familiar X-Men characters. Together, they'll learn what it means to be mutant in the Ultimate Universe as they explore their emerging powers and the start startling ways they connect to folklore, legend, and magic. So, yeah. That's very exciting to me. Yeah, we all we're all fans of that of that 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 Peach uh, Demon Days Demon Days yeah yeah Demon Days uh, which is its own alternate universe uh, like Japanese centric Marvel stuff. But like they could have just hired Peach and go, hey, you're just gonna do the Ultimate Line. Just do do we're gonna do what we we want you to do. The fact that they're allowing her to start it in Japan, focusing on armor, who is a great character, also a great Marvel snap card two three can't destroy cards in this lane card. Love you armor. It's, it's it's so exciting. Uh, the fact that they're like, yeah, immediately we're gonna introduce you to a bunch of new heroes, a bunch of new mutants. All about it. We always need new characters. It's it's so thrilling. Like uh, they they really are going hard with this ultimate line, man. Because I know some of the characters in this regular line are screwed for life. Blood Hunt, which is the next Marvel event, and I only put this one on here because I was I thought we would get this a lot earlier, actually. Um, I, was, yeah, considering like the Avengers and the X-Men uh, Dracula stuff happened years ago. Building up to yeah. it, yeah. yeah. So this is written by Jed McKay with art by Pepe Larraz and um, Marty Garcia. Uh, Gracia. Uh, so this will have, we don't know what the, what the tie-ins are yet. This is the main book. Um, and so this is basically just an event that pits the Marvel Universe against the Vampire Nation, uh, Dracula and whatnot. So yeah. Not in October, cool. in Halloween time. Yeah, I was... Um, the timing of this one is interesting, uh, but yeah, hey, I'm glad it's happening. Yeah, it sounds honestly, it sounds great. And Jen McKay is is incredible. He's doing Avengers and Moon Knight, but Pepe Larraz and Maragascia are the are the the Hoxpox artists. They're the X Men. Like they are the sure. the best team at Marvel for art. Like they are the guys, and they're giving it this vampire book. And I'm like, you guys are like two years late. Not mad about it. I'm still happy. Uh, like 
God, all that vampire stuff like is so fun. Dracula, he's just been hanging out for two years. Like, just where's my event, bro? Where's my event? Like, it's happening. Hell yeah! I hope his the, stupid the... son Xerxes shows up. Remember him from that comic? Are they yes. still in Chernobyl? They have to be. I don't. I, I assume so. Um, uh, Will Mott has been named the new editor for the Avengers line. He will take over in 2024. That's awesome. He's he's man like. I'm really excited for 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 the future of Marvel because like you know you know X Men has been still good but you know sta- like some stagger for some people like the Avengers line like it it has a brand new line but it's still fresh and it's not really like setting anything up it's just a cool Avengers story sure. so like they're lining everything up for the future and it's just it, man it's exciting as hell. This is um, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this one. Uh, Alien is getting a black, white, and red book so right that's exciting it, that that's hopefully good. Yeah. I could see a lot of good stuff with the alien black, white, and red. I, I like the I, idea for it. Yeah, the idea of it like works and also um oh god, was there an alien book that we read year I wanna say yes. I mean we've that, read alien books. No, no, no. Alien was, we we've read a lot of alien books. We read yeah, all the alien books. There was one specific You're you're talking about the Mark Verhayden aliens, which was black and white, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cause I remember uh, that just came out in the archives. Nice. No, because I the reason why I bring it up is because I remember that book being so visually striking because it mm-hmm. was in black and white and it made the aliens even more terrifying. So having yeah. them, I mean, it all depends on the, what the artists, because I know black, white, and red, they're um, anthology books with a bunch of different artists and writers in them. They could make some pretty scary and spooky stuff with this one. So Yeah, yeah I'm certainly, uh, I've read the first couple issues of the Predator comic and it's totally fine. Um, it's not bad. It's just like it's fine. I'm more interested in reading the Wolverine Predator comic. That's when that hits Marvel Unlimited. Um, but like these anth- anthology stories are way more interesting to me uh, with Alien and Predator than a continue ongoing in my in my opinion. Because sure. like you can get That's really ridiculous. great like short stories. It's really upset about that Predator book, honestly. Um, yeah. I wanted that to be better. The Alien yeah. book was also just fine, although they're doing some stuff now that I'd like to read that apparently is pretty interesting. So there was a I. I I only read, oh, it's a one shot. It's Ben Percy did a one shot, uh, uh, like sequel to like LV426 or whatever. That was, that was pretty good. Um, all right, well, let's move on. Uh, Dynamite Wait, Entertainment. Brandon, yeah. Do you want to tell us about a Star Trek comic? I don't have to. It's fine. You guys would just look at me like I was spouting gibberish for. I know, but I just talked about X Men. I just talked about the Ultimate Universe for like 10 minutes alone. You can talk about yeah, whatever you want. We all it. care about X Men. We all don't care about Star Trek. We care about Star Trek. All right. Where is it? Hold on. Sorry. Um, all right. Sons of Star Trek is coming out. IDW announced this uh, during New York Comic Con that a book called Sons of Star Trek is coming. Um, this is going to be a spinoff of the current Star Trek and Star Trek Defiant ongoing books. Um, uh, Jackson Lansing and Christopher Cantwell are writing those respectively. Um, oh, Cantwell. Mm, who's the creative team on Sons of Star Trek? Totally forgot to look that up. Damn. I got it. Um. This is uh, basically this is about all the Nepo babies in Star Trek. So Q two, uh, Jake Sisko, Alexander Roshenko, um, they're all going to kind of go on an adventure um, uh, on a, on a new ship, and and it's going to introduce the other um, quote unquote Nepo babies in Star Trek, the, the little forges and uh, what time period is this? In the aftermath of Collis's harrowing day of blood, Jake Sisko struggles to find his place in the universe. Kalis. Um, it is uh, by the acclaimed cyborg writer. I think that's a. I don't know who that is. Uh, Morgan Hampton and artist Angel Hernandez. 
What he said didn't answer my question. What period does this take place in? Um, the current the current Star Trek comics are take are around um the mid twenty three eighties. So uh, okay, I'll, Deep Space Nine, new new new. Thank you. Yeah. I was like, like I'll like, be more specific. Yeah, yeah. What well, show era are, are we in? Lower decks. It's easy to just okay. say it. we're lower decks prodigy era. Uh, got you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they're around the same era. I, I um, understand that. <laughs> uh, I have the first volume somewhere. I gotta figure out where all my comics are. All right. Dynamite Entertainment is coming. Uh, is becoming the new place for licensed comics. Um, mm-hmm. we've got a lot of Disney stuff. Um, their Disney uh villain line seems really interesting. I want to pick up the um the Scar one. Apparently, is pretty good. Uh, I've got the uh, Gargoyles new by Greg Wiseman on uh, pre order. Can't wait for that. Um, but they're going to launch a new line of uh, WBIP uh comics, uh, starting with Thundercats, written by Declan Chevlet uh, Shalvi. With art by Drew Moss. Um, nice. This will be followed by Powerpuff Girls, Space Ghost, Johnny Quest, The Flintstones, and The Wizard of Oz. Um, Wild. So. I'm, I'll be honest, I don't know if I'll ever read these, but the first creative team, that's a real ass creative team. Declan Shalvey and Will Moss are astounding. Uh, so like just like that Transformers line, like uh, uh, with Skybound, like they're not they're not half-assing this. Um, so that's that's a good sign that they really care about it. The Gargoyles one gave me a lot of faith. Um, the only one that I'm interested in is Thundercats. Um, I will I will definitely read the Thundercats. I'm not sure about any of these others. Um, yeah. It really depends on what the story is and who the teams are for things like Johnny Quest or Space Ghost. Because you got you got the good the good people on that. I'd be cool. I'd be interested. Um I read that original uh um it was God, God, I'm gonna get it was Jeff Parker. He wrote uh uh Future Quest. Future Quest? That book was so fun. Right, that yeah. book was awesome. I love that book. Um, Sparks. Uh, yeah. This one was mostly for you, I would guess. Um, well, and me as well. I don't mean to secretly you out only. Um, Best Buy is go- said they are going to stop selling DVD, Blu-ray, 4Ks uh, in-store and online um, starting in the first quarter of 2024. Before everyone goes, I do have something to say about this. Absolutely. Boo! Boo! Really? No, yeah, I don't like that. No way. Uh, it's a wild move for a company that's probably approaching bankruptcy. For real. Um, they're closing locations. Uh, they're they're just closing recently. The one near us. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, this is a wild move. I I kind of get abandoning having it in the stores because people just don't really come in and shop there anymore but they they make money off being a steelbook exclusive market um, that now walmart is creeping in on um because because i think this is happening walmart's going to take it over uh and it's wild to me that they're abandoning their online market for that as well um especially for the those exclusives because i'm like why would you turn down money that's the thing uh, like i don't you, you know there the thing is like the streaming bubbles bursting well, maybe not bursting but deflating um i don't think it'll probably ever burst honestly um it there's there's a larger demand now for physical media now that we're kind of seeing what the ramifications of, of being solely digital is that people can think things can be deleted uh look how look how well prey did prey is one of the top selling blu-rays um uh, of, the, of the year because 
uh, of the demand was there. So yeah. you so you've got the the demand will never be where it used to be. It won't. That that's impossible. But the, there is a demand there now, and it, and it is especially now uh, with people wanting to preserve the things that they love to see on streaming. Mm-hmm. So I and I get that you know habits are different. People aren't going to the stores to browse anymore. The and sure do you want to get rid of the in-store stuff makes perfect sense even targets even targets doing that um but target still has the online store and that's the thing that that confused me like why not just keep the exclusive steel books online even if they reduce down their stock so they're not carrying like uh the the new hold on sorry the new um uh paw patrol movie when it mm-hmm. comes out on Blu-ray, super popular. because they're like people are just going to buy that on Amazon. I'm like, yeah, whatever, okay. But they have a corner on like seven, roughly seventy to eighty percent of the American steelbook market that is exclusives for collectors goes to Best Buy, um, yeah. and it's wild to have those contracts and just say, nah, no more. Um, not even through online because I know those things make money for them. You know what's so funny? If you type in steelbooks. The first thing that comes up is Best Buy, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, who's gonna who's gonna take over? Walmart. Like, not, Walmart. As I'm telling you, Walmart. Walmart. If you look at like the steelbook yeah. releases in America, Walmart has suddenly jumped up from like having like maybe four yeah. to I think like twenty six this year. It's so I, as someone who doesn't buy a lot of physical stuff, as long as you still have and you have somewhere to buy them. Because like I, I don't want to, like the steelbook market's not going to disappear. Someone's just going to take over, and as long as they take over and they do a good job and they don't and raise the prices, and like I don't, it's not a total loss. Well, Walmart went and got a bunch of sneaky exclusive contracts for things, okay. um, specifically like Shutter Films, Deadstream, and Psycho Gorman are on Steelbook through Walmart. I love Walmart. Walmart's <laughs> I, Walmart's but, this is, but this is the thing is like Best Buy also has like they have the exclusive on Mission Impossible. Yeah. On uh oh, sorry, not Mission Impossible. They don't that that went wide with Paramount. They, they, have the the they have the exclusive on all the Disney ones, barring the recent Disney Plus releases. Okay. Aside from that, they've had the exclusive on that. Um, so every Marvel, every live action Disney, every animated Disney, every Pixar, that's all steelbook market has come through them. And like again. As Brand's pointing out, like there is a, a hunger for, for yeah. physical media, but especially for collectors, there's a hunger for like that. And that has successfully worked for them. Mm-hmm. It's just wild to be turning away from that entirely. I don't understand how they think this is going to help their profits in the future to completely abandon the online store. Like mm-hmm. it, it, they, it they, sounds they like they're shutter. It sounds like Best Buy is going down. No, I think they are. I think if like this is your biggest thing online, I think that just Best Buy is like ready to close. I think it's a matter of time until you see them pull away from video games too. And then it's just yeah. going to be like them trying to run off appliances for as long as they can. Yeah. And then probably ultimately the shoot. last two times I've went into sorry real quick Ben. The last two times I went into a, our Best Buy, nobody's been in there, man. Like like I'm surprised that like it took this long for like some of them to close down because like I went in for like like an iPhone accessory and like there was like another person in the store and like like at night and I'm like this is crazy and, and I'll be honest with you it's a big bummer because like they are a good like oh in a pinch I need to go get a hard drive yeah I've had to do that for work twice yeah yeah like and I go to Best Buy I need it that day I need to physically go to Best Buy and we're gonna lose that market physically like uh, I I do think this is a downturn in an electronic market in general it's yeah. a problem yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh ben you want to say something um i was just gonna mention that as of this as of this moment in time and i could be wrong they have no plans to stop selling physical video games because they still do it's only the the movies and 
I mean, I get like with CDs, they phased out CDs at a certain point in time. They phased out CDs for vinyl. Yeah. How? Wow. Because the vinyl market blew it's, up. It's huge. Yeah. That vinyl market's big. Yeah. Uh-huh. People don't buy CDs anymore, frankly. Like, nope. people, if they're going to buy a physical copy of something, they buy a vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. Music, music and movies are a little different now. Yeah. Mm hmm. But it's but just... I mean not not entirely right because like that is still like that collector thing. I love this thing so much. I want a very nice version of thing. No, nope. that's not a CD. That's a vinyl. No, that's yeah, not yeah. a that's not a uh, standard Blu-ray. That's a really nice steelbook. Yeah, you know you, mm -hmm. that turning away from that collector market is the thing that's so nuts to me. It's so funny too because vinyls have now come full circle to being the old thing, and now they're better than the new thing. Notably, it's just notably that steelbook thing is also part of their market for uh, video games. And so, like, oh, that's yeah. still going to run right now. Like, for example, if you pre-order Final Fantasy VII's Part Two yeah. with them, you get a steelbook through them with the steelbook that is made for through Square Enix. So there's an exclusive Best Buy one. So you get two steelbooks for both discs. What do you look like? So you have two to fit the whole thing. Um, and only Best Buy has that secondary exclusive steelbook. So, like... They know that market exists. I just don't understand. I again, like I get reducing stock. I get not doing it in store. Why are they abandoning it entirely? They have these exclusive contracts. It's just so wild to me. And I I do think we're just on the downturn. Like eventually it'll be video games. And eventually it'll be everything else. That's a good looking steelbook. That's a good looking yeah. steelbook. That's a good looking steelbook. Yeah. Yeah, it uh, sounds like Best Buy is ready to say goodbye. That kind of sucks. Because Circuit City went out way before they did. And now like, who's left? Like fries? there was Fries there was like one fry store i remember here in california and the, or at least in southern california that sucker is gone it is dead i haven't been in years i used to love going to fries and look i'm a big i'm a big proponent of like i frankly think that most of the studios should go for blu-ray and dvd i think we should go to manufacture on demand like the the market is there they'll purchase it on purchase it online if they want it yeah and they can make put everything out i would rather they put everything available for you to purchase physically if you want it and not uh feel like they're costing themselves money by producing a stock that doesn't meet demand um yeah. but like everybody wants something uh yeah. and so it, it's it's just bizarre to me that Best Buy wants to pull away from everything that could be an advantage in that market because mm -hmm. they are the cap of some of those. Do, do people really go to Best Buy to buy their like fridges and like they have like a whole appliance section? And I'm like, I have no, yeah. I don't know if anyone who's like bought it from a Best Buy. I'm like, that's just it seems like their their whole like I'll be honest. They're trying you. to spread I'll themselves. Be on, I'll be honest with you. Uh, when we bought our fridge, was it Best Buy? That was Home Depot. There you go, Home Depot. Bounce, bounce, bounce. It was a better deal on the same fridge. Yeah. That's why this, yeah. Unfortunately, but we need a store like that. What what electronic stores do we have anymore? We, just, we don't. That's the thing. Not, not, a, not a large market like you know where to go. You know the name. Like it's all oh, digital it's now. Gonna be, it's going to be like local things that you're going to have to go to. Like, and is there a local like computer store near me that I have to drive forty five minutes to if I need like this thing today? That sucks. That's the thing, Mike. Zara and I were talking about this. There's like, I think there's a market for what for like uh physical media in stores and it's so interesting to me that we've not found like there's comic book stores there's mom and pop bookstores where are the mom and pop blu-ray stores i i i don't maybe that's just not a viable business and i'm just thinking i'm just dreaming but like i i think there's a market for someone to just pop up like a suncoast to be like hey we we sell blu-rays 
I think Netflix is. I think it's two. I think it's two things, Brandon. I think you have to be able to stock things that are not just like the standard stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, either Vintage. things that have long been out of print, vintage, or exclusive editions. So you've got to have a resource for it. Yeah. And you have to have a community that's consistently willing to check in. Oh. There's one store that I know of, and the location is in a mall in Claremont. They still sell DVDs. It's FYE. Sure. Oh, oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. also a bygone. Fye, FYE like, yeah. is, is around. I was going to say, like, what Brandon's really talking about, it, it exists in Frankensons. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of yeah. it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a Suncoast. Anyway, but here's the thing, uh, Brandon. Much to your point, like, that's a community. You know, you know, you have you have access to resource and you have access to community. Yeah, and I think that's the problem with trying to open like a business landmark spot to say like okay we're gonna this is what we're gonna do it's hard to do that just by itself being nestled in something else where it's part of a grander nerd community probably do better business there and the rent's cheaper yeah yeah doctor who it's tough. It's, it's it's tough speaking about accessibility doctor who um made big waves the past two weeks to talk about the fact that uh over 800 episodes are coming to bbc iplayer um they're gonna be start streaming it's november 1st um this is apparently something that robert uh robert what's his name russell t davies um wanted um to come back he was like if i come back ev like everything you got needs to be accessible to the public every like every episode of classic doctor who needs to be available if it's there it's got to be a, it's got to be streaming on bbc iplayer um which is very cool it's a yeah. very 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 cool thing to do um this is the first time that uh, all these episodes will be available. However, a, a wrench was thrown into the works with this one um, because the son of the creator of the TARDIS um, made a stink again. He actually made a stink during the 50th anniversary. Um, he, he threatened to take away the copyright of the TARDIS from BBC. So I don't know if you guys remember, but there was like all these articles about like the uh doctor who will have to stop using the tardis um because of this and uh, obviously that never happened um but this guy is now making a stink again to be like um they're they're they're, they're abusing their copyright um doctor who is not the show that my father wanted it's uh how dare they cast shooting gotway um i'm gonna withhold what i can do which is the first episodes. The first four episodes um, are no are not going to be available on BBC iPlayer. Uh, yeah, it, and I think this is temporary until oh, yeah, 100%. an illegal battle where they will win and then they yeah. will be there. Yeah. Um, I do also, just the grander thing, the BBC iPlayer uh, availability of these episodes, I do think this precludes its availability on Disney+, Plus, um, which will probably be, uh, I think it's mid-2025, uh, Max will lose the licensing for Doctor Who. Uh, and I think everything will show up in 2025 on Disney Plus. Yeah, I do too. He wants you he wants all those 800 episodes available. So when he references that one thing from 1972, you're like, you can watch that thing. Well that's the thing. The the character who's going the, to, the character yeah. the toy maker is from an old episode that will be available mm -hmm. on BBC iPlayer. They're um, using they're using some of that footage in marketing, which is cool. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah that's been really cool. Um uh, because there's only one surviving toy maker episode. Um but apparently, like the animations are coming back, they're they're starting to animate the, some of the old audios again. To so one of the one one of the other Toy Maker episodes could show up again. I'm really I'm really excited for you to get to the second season of Whitaker's Run because there's an episode where 
she encounters these beings that call themselves immortals and one of them passively mentions the toy maker uh and i was like mm, okay uh -huh. um but yeah so this is really interesting it's really cool um i'm excited uh for doctor who obviously big into doctor who again um i guess uh, negotiations have begun with this guy um it just sucks that this guy is like look B B bbc is not a good company they they're historically very predatory uh when it comes to things but he there was a contract in place they paid the residuals for that contract for the use of the tardis um and they constantly do so like this and this dude is like we're i want one of his conditions was that the BBC needed to make a show that his father created that the BBC wouldn't create in the 1970s. So he's like, I'll let you keep the TARDIS if you make the show. So yeah, this, this person's also deeply unwell. Oh, 100%. Yeah. No, I mean like in a, in a real way. Um, yeah. So like it'll, it'll pass. It will. Like as far as as far as this being an issue, it, it won't yeah. stay that way. Uh, Unearthly Child, by the way, unfortunately, the first episode of Doctor Who is very good. It's very uh, the but the next three that follow are honestly not. So um, uh, we're not. So you know, first episode's good. Ben, I'm gonna wake you up real quick. <laughs> um, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. They've announced who the new voice actor for Super Mario Super Mario Yay. for Mario and Luigi, and it is Kevin Afghani. Um, he is going to be the the new voice of Mario and Luigi going forward. Uh, ben, you want to yep, talk about I'm, this? I'm looking through his IMDb because I've never heard about him before. Uh, a few, he has one other video game related credit and that he did a voice in the widely popular Genshin Impact. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I mean, just listen, because I've been listening to trailers. Huh? He's like he's like a he's like a relatively like unknown voice actor. Like they didn't yeah. they didn't go out to get like the biggest name possible. They auditioned lots of people and found who the best guy was. And it was a guy who has like two thousand followers on Twitter right now. Like it's it's really cool. Like it's it's mm -hmm. it's really cool. And this guy is like my life changed in such a way you guys don't even understand. I yeah. used to like I was a side character in a free to play MMO game, and now I'm Mario. I'm yeah. Mario. I think that is um, because just just from listening to him in the trailers that we have because i don't have mario wonder yet um but just listening to the gameplay footage that is available to me he sounds amazing he sounds just like martinette does um does and i'm actually really glad we got someone who was real or who is relatively unknown because now this person's like i was doing like you said like you said ryan he had two thousand followers on twitter i don't even know how many followers he has now i sure that i'm sure that number just skyrocketed numbers up because it's like this is now the voice of mario the most famous video game character of all time and so far he's doing a great job so i cannot wait to see what else is what else he's going to do or what else nintendo is going to do with him yeah and also i've been uh, hearing nothing but rave reviews about mario wonder and it just makes wow. me so excited wonderful very cool Last thing we're going to talk about was the other thing that dropped in New York Comic Con, which is the trailer for the next Dragon Ball series. It is not Dragon Ball Super Season 2. It is, in fact, called Dragon Ball Daima. Uh, this is a brand new show coming from Akira Toyama and uh, Toy Animation. Um, specifically, Akira Toyama has been saying, like, this is the thing I'm, I put the most in in years. Um, and uh, uh, so let's let's what, what do we think about 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 this? Kid Vegeta and Kid Goku. Wait, hold on. Wait, wait, hold on. Sparks, Sparks is trying to say something. Notably, uh, 
part of the like at home trailer like that you get to see now starts where Dragon Ball started and you'll yes. you'll see that like we're not in the 40th anniversary but next year we are. So it makes a lot of sense Toriyama wanting to get kind of back to Dragon Ball roots with the characters that we know today. Uh mm -hmm. Before, before we even talk about the trailer yeah and i hear there's something new dragon ball related i'm like oh but it's not super and then i watch the trailer yeah and i'm like what the hell is super i don't care <laughs> uh this looks phenomenal phenomenal dragon ball has never looked better most it's incredible yeah ben? i i was oh, sorry. sorry go, go ahead, ahead ben no it's just gonna say kid vegeta and kid goku are freaking adorable the animation is incredible it um is. look i was when the when the because this was leaked, not necessarily leaked. there was a there was a half leak about what this is, and I was like, oh, okay, well, weird. Um, I'm now we know that th they were working on the next super season, but stopped working on it for this. Um, so the super season is is it, it, it was in production before this happened, and I guess this was primarily happening because of as Bart said, the 40th anniversary of Dragon Ball is coming. Um, I. Uh, I was kind of indifferent, but the trailer showcases some of the most beautiful animation I've I've seen. Um, there's a lot of great stuff in this, and it looks very much like it's it's probably going to be based very heavily on like the Boo Saga. Um, we because there's a lot of uh, in, uh references to it in the beginning of the trailer. Um, this is uh super interesting to, that this is the direction they're going with. I. I think it looks great. I have nothing bad to say about it. I think it looks incredible. Um, I'm very happy with it. I am curious about what what is happening with Super, just as a concept, because like the manga is going to stop recapping the superhero soon, and we and the show is happening. Um, so like I'm so I'm so curious what's happening with Super, and I'm uh, I'm surprised I didn't take the time to mention anything about it at the at the panel. Uh, if I may, I think that um, they are trying to leave space for um, the manga to do what it's doing and do something else that Toriyama had more passion for at the time, frankly. Mm -hmm. um, I think Toriyama had an entirely different thing he wanted to do right now. Uh, again, thinking about that 40th anniversary, thinking about something that like he's he, he had a personal message at New York Comic Con about how how involved he is, how much he cares about this. This is the most he's been involved in the post Z period on any project, um, because this is him like really, really intimately working on uh, wanting to make this what he wants it to be. Um, it no one knows how long it's going to be. Um, uh, people who someone who works on the show. Uh, they shared that, like, the episode length is unknown. Uh, not even the animators know how long it's going to be. Um, so we'll we'll see what will happen. <clears throat> but I do think this is kind of a celebration of Dragon Ball. I think it's a pocket of storytelling that Toriyama decided he had a lot of interest in. If you were to ask me, I think that dabbling in Moro as a concept, which Toriyama did only very loosely which I'll just remind everyone in the manga, Moro uh, is a magical being. And magic, it's the Superman rules, the Saiyans and, and all them, they're weak to magic. Magic messes with their energy. It's, it's difficult for them. Mm -hmm. um, so I think Toriyama thought about going back to not just like wanting to get more of the Dragon Ball feel and things, obviously, by, by turning everyone into kids. But 
also the concept of magic as it exists in the universe through the lens of Babidi and Majin Buu, which is why this series was probably originally called Dragon Ball Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really, really beautiful wellspring to play in. If I were to guess this, I don't really care where, right now where this takes place in the timeline, but I suspect it's it's going to be removed from the super stuff. We know there's a big, big gap yeah. between uh, Broly, uh, Moro, and Granola as they happen in the super manga, and then the superhero movie. So maybe it's in there. Who knows? Yeah. Um, it, it, I don't think it matters too much right now, but I do think like part of the purpose is to have this kind of storytelling and allow the super manga to keep doing the thing that the super manga has been doing in its type of storytelling and go forward with that. And eventually super will return as an anime adapting those manga stories, I suspect, and probably doing other stuff as well. But for now we're going to have this. And I think this is very exciting. Yeah. Uh, if, uh, if it were, if it were only Goku, if we were doing like the GT <clears> thing <throat> and it's only Goku turning as a kid, I don't know if I'd be as excited. But seeing Baby Vegeta and Baby Supreme Kai, I'm like, oh wow, this looks real silly. This is straight up that Justice League Unlimited episode where they're all kids. I'm really, yes. I'm really Jones in. Uh, I love that Dragon Ball feel. Like I love, like it's like the Evil Dead two thing. I like when you have a great mix of like horror and comedy. I like Dragon Ball when it is really silly and really dramatic. You know what I mean? Like I like when it could do that balance. And this looks like it's gonna do that, especially with Toriyama like so heavily involved. Uh and this looks as good as the movies do. And it's a TV show. I'm like, oh my God, like this is a win. Yeah. I think we're gonna win here, baby. It looks it looks really good. I'm gonna just run down a couple of facts about it real quick. Um there will not be flip-flopping in the multiple art styles. The shift from classic uh Z and Super era look will go to this modern Toriyama interpretation when they are DH and it'll stay that way. Um, so just, just to clear that up for everybody, uh, and, um, Naka, Nakatsuru is the lead character designer for the show. Um, but unlike recent efforts where you only provide designs for a series, he's going to be contributing, uh, with corrections on the characters working closely with Toriyama. Um, Aya Komaki is not the sole series director. Yoshitaka Yashima is the primary series director. Um, he was a solo animator for um, DBS, uh, Dragon Ball Super mainly, um, but he was doing a lot of the like really detailed work on Dragon Ball Super, some of the best stuff that was looking in the Tournament of Power at the very end. Oh, and, oh yeah. Uh, and then um, you have Takahashi uh, Kurahashi, who's coming in for art direction, who comes from the 2008 uh, anniversary celebration of Yo Son Goku oh, way yeah. back. Yeah. That was a long um, time so ago. Uh, they're they're coming back in. They're doing a lot of the backgrounds uh, work for this series. It's an all-star team for this one, baby. And uh, mm-hmm. the color design is being headed up by Rumiko Nagai, who comes from DBS Broly. That's, the colors really pop in this, man. That's what's really, yeah. Uh, and then uh, uh, some of the other chief super uh, supervisors for animation are Chikashi Kubota, uh, Nahiro Shintani, Yuya Takahashi, Takeo Aide, and Miyako Suji. Um, pretty much an all-star lineup from the people who have done some of the best work on Dragon Ball Super, Superhero, and Broly in the past years. They're all kind of being pulled from those three different avenues and put all onto this project together um, to combine all their efforts. This is the Avengers of Dragon Ball creators. In, in terms of in terms of the behind-the-scenes crew, you've got like the best of the bunch from the previous three animated projects that have been going on. And we just got like a minute of new footage, and I'm like, damn, this the whole show is gonna look like this? Are you kidding me? Oh my god. Um, yeah, and, and much in Toriyama style, the scope of the series grew during the production of it. Uh, many people 
um, got more excited and Toriyama got more excited. So it just kept kind of kept getting bigger and bigger, which is why at this current time, there's no final episode count. Incredible. That's awesome. That's so uh, exciting. Yeah, I think it I think it looks really great. Um, I think it's really wonderful that uh, in terms of like really, really heavy involvement, this is probably the last time we have really strong direct Akira Toriyama involvement. I'm sure he'll write another movie and there will be some other things that he'll leave us with before he passes. But not this hands-on. But I don't think, I think this is as hands-on as he's ever going to be uh, for the rest of his life with Dragon Ball. And um, that has me really excited. Having, having recently like uh, gone through, and I'm sure you did this too, not too long ago, Brandon, the Totally Not Mark uh, Dragon Ball reviews, yeah. the original series Dragon Ball reviews. Um, having looked at that and some of the Seed of Might recoloring that's been going on, uh, the idea of like bringing so much of that Dragon Ball stuff to these characters at this point in time, um, I'm actually really, really excited about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Toriyama reminds me a lot of um, what's the guy's name? Boy in the Heron director. Hayao Miyazaki. Ghibli. Hayao Miyazaki. Uh, remind, like, remember when they were talking about Hayao Miyazaki retiring and then keep coming back yeah. for movie? Like, and the, the the comment was like, I can't stop him. He's just yeah. he just keeps coming back. Man, it, like I get it. Like you know, like you think you lose passion and then you make something. And you're like, oh no, I'm still, I'm still, I still got it. I can't stop now. Yeah. Uh, for me in particular, um, I have a soft spot for Goku when he uses the power pole. I love. Which they also brought up. Like, um, it has a functional purpose. It is not just uh, an aesthetic thing. Goku realizes very quickly, which I'm like, man, this is so good. If you guys recall in Dragon Ball, the reason why Goku loses the first tournament to Jackie Chun, Master Roshi, is because he can't kick as long, his legs aren't as long as his. Yes. Goku's using the power pole to make up for his stature. Because he's so That's tiny. That's specifically the reason he's picking up the power pole oh, at yeah. this point in the story. Um, but bringing it back into the story and getting to look at it again in, in these designs, I'm really excited. I am about. so excited for Vegeta to be a baby. He's going to be such a little shit. Oh my god. He's gonna be so ah, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so curious about their forms in this. As I, I miss the power pole. I, I wish that adult Goku Goku kept the power pole, honestly. Um some of my favorite stuff from the early movies are when he uses the power pole. Um is doesn't he he uses it in Garlic Jr. movie, doesn't he? Yes, the first one. Yeah, yeah. 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 The, the first guard. Yeah, yes. Garlic senior. Um, I really I really like that. Um, I would love I'm so curious about their forms. Remember when GT was like, oh, Super Saiyan 4 is so powerful, he he just becomes an adult again. Uh I want so, I'm so curious about this. Make a cannon so again. My one thing that I've been thinking about make is because we've seen Goten and Trunks and they're yeah. babies now. Are Pan and Bala just not just gone they're embryos they're floating embryos yeah like (laughs) because they they were they're small children to baby (laughs) they are it'd be funny if they got aged up and they're adults (laughs) oh that would be cool like it's a reverse that would be honestly for a fan base that like feels like pan was done dirty by the gt team yeah yeah that would be pretty cool give pan actual some like stuff to do hell yeah dude all right well that's it guys that's the whole show so exciting. Man, Dragon um, Ball is so cool. Uh, one of the images uh, that's out there, like you see it in quick flashes, is young y- the new young Gohan, and it's like back to the kid design, but he's, he's keeping his glasses. I love his glasses. Um, and he's got the little, like, his hair. <laughs> he looks so good. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, for real. Um, I think the main thing, uh, the last thing I'll say about it is the main thing is that, like, while I'm really excited about um, the possibility of where the manga left off in the storytelling of Super, before the superhero coverage, uh, for what what that can mean for the the universe as it is right now, and I'm really excited about all the other stuff that we can do there. Um, 
to come to this and and the thing is like i want to see that in anime form sure but i have read it mm -hmm. and it is there getting something so refreshingly new is really exciting i don't know if it'll be great but I have a lot of hope for it. And I do think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think the passion that seems to be exuding from not just uh, Toriyama, but the whole team, it's like they they feel really good about this one too. Like yeah. That's why they stopped super to like, no, let's focus on something we're actually passionate about that's new. Well, and I don't, think, I don't think that Toriyama has the same passion for super as he used to. Because um, Toyotoro is writing super pretty much on that's his the own thing. at this point. That's the thing. It's like everything, everything post the Tournament of Power is so Toyotoro influenced. Mm, yeah, okay. That like... It's it's really Toyotoro's story with some Toriyama Intense. recommendations and guidance, yeah. and like it's not bad, but it's also not like been bangers necessarily. Sure. It's not like something that I'm like, oh man, I gotta see that animated so bad. Um, I've even seen people yeah. online who are like, you know, if they do the if they just skip the moral arc, like I'm not gonna be mad about it. This like yeah, this feels like. Well, I think I think you can do I, I think you can do that stuff really easily, and it, I, I think they will at some point. Yeah, but like this feels like let's celebrate. Uh, how great dragon ball is and let's bring toriyama to the party make them babies i gotta i gotta tell you i brought that up because only because like i'm so pissed that Tor that toyotoro adapted the superhero manga the superhero movie that ruined that manga in my opinion um the the momentum of that manga just died because he decided to adapt and maybe he didn't decide maybe he was just told to the momentum I, of that I, manga is gone because of that superhero comic I uh, I do think that like he didn't choose to adapt it, and I do think like they're they in general whoever is making the decision has been doing the manga a disservice by making it once a month, and even yeah. then it it's had a lot of hiatuses, because that's not general manga release schedule. Yeah. Um, it's normally like buy or try weekly, mm -hmm. uh, and like once a month is just it's slow. Yeah. Because that that superhero that superhero adaptation has been going on for so long, nobody gives a shit anymore. Right. No, I agree. I, I largely agree with you. I don't think that's his decision. Yeah. I think that come from higher up. Was the time jump his decision? I want to know whose whose decision was the time jump. That was the really well, stupid thing. If you're doing if you're doing the movie adaptation, you can't not time jump because they were I guess you're right. they were not close to each other. You're right. It's still stupid. They should never have done it. I agree. They should have just done what Broly did was like turn the page and then it's, and then a cool movie happened. Go see that movie. To be fair, to watch the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, that's this whole show, guys. Whoop, whoop. Um, cool. Um, next, we'll be back next, probably next two weeks, depending on how the SAG negotiations go. I don't see us coming back this coming week, but who knows? Um, we'll see. Uh, check out our, check out our website, fictionpodcast.com, uh, for all updates on all the shows and, um, where you can find all the shows, such as what I mentioned before, which is basement arcade, basement arcade, pause menu, animation station, all sorts of cool stuff can be found on the link below and link below. And also on our website, fictionpodcast.com, where you can also check out, um, our Patreon and our T public. If you want to support us financially, it'd be great. Thank you. Um, thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watches the live show and the rewind. And we greatly appreciate all of your support. Thank you to Jeremy Vellucci for all the music you heard here tonight and all the music you hear on all of our shows. You can also find him co-hosting the real score whenever that show comes back. Um, as well as, uh, checking out his, uh, podcast, suburban proctologist on suburban proctologist official or Instagram at Subproc podcast. His Instagram, however, is Jeremy Vellucci underscore wreck of time because of his, super cool band um uh, you can also find our our friend and, and wonderful collaborator mike Batola on instagram and tiktok and threads he's on threads too at mike Batola. um he 
the wonderful collaborated to some of our logos, talked with us a bunch of times. We love it. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at fakenerdpodcast.com. Uh, nope. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at fakenerdpodcast, fakenerdguys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for atomicgeekdom.com, and that's it. And Ben Magna, where can people find you? Well, you can find me going back to sleep at BenMagna27 on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Threads. You can also find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gaming Magazine, GoNintendo.com, and finally playing Mary Frankenstein in Dean Dark with new episodes coming out every other Wednesday. Sparks? Uh, you can also find Ben playing Shaggy potentially well at uh, the Cthulhu Doo <laughs> if you support them on Patreon. And you can find me... Uh, joyously listening at sparks witty on instagram twitter s-p-a-r-k-z witty ryan yay you could find me just online everywhere all the time at dj tony snark 616 i'm there all the time subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice rate and review wherever you get us we greatly appreciate it like this video subscribe to this channel until next time you see us guys stay fake nerds Power. <laughs>